Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. There's a shot right on. Riddick gets behind him. Scores! J.J. Paterka stayed with it. This is going to be turned over right to Greenway with a shot. Scores! Cousins right side shot scores far circle here comes a shot that one scores that's in the net Erasmus Dahlin here's Benson in front scores Alex Tuck from the right touch scores Tuck with a shot save made to the rebound scores Jordan Greenway you're listening to Jeremy and Joe on the home of the Sabres WGR Sports Radio 550 The song is awesome. It is timeless, this song. It is timeless. Came out in 1995. Give me 1996. Final answer? It's Machine Head at 16 Stone off the Bush album. Bush was my first favorite band, and I played this album into the ground. 1996. Uh, yeah, yeah, 96. What do you April got? April 9th, 1996. Let's wow. go. Right on it. Junior year of high school for me. Into- that's, that's a good, that's a sweet spot. And you, you're going to, re- I think you're more likely to remember exact years in like the high school years. Do you know what I'm makes guessing. this one easy to remember? And this is funny you played this. I have a, I have one of those topics we do where I ask you, or, or the the, com- the conversation is, I bet you have no idea that yeah. we used to do this. Never heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got to save for later for the two of you. Something you, you, the two of you probably don't even know existed that I was thinking about yesterday. And okay. it kind of re- revolves around why I was able to place this so well to 96 because I could drive and listen to this album. And, <laughs> I, in 1996. With I, what, a cassette player? Aha. Uh-huh. That kind of gets to the conversation, but I don't want to get to it yet. Okay, I want more people. No, it wasn't okay. cassette. I want, I want more people to wake up. But right. I, could, I could drive and, you know, you, you get your learner's permit or whatever at 17. And yeah. I could drive and listen to this album, and I would have turned 17 in 1996. Yeah. So that's my my touchstone for when 16 Stone came out was 96. He was rolling down the windows with the hand crank and trying not to Ooh, did accidentally I have, give away what this is. Did I have power windows in my 1988 Dodge Daytona? No. I don't think A so. A 1988 Dodge Daytona, and you're telling me that had automatic I windows don't think back so. then? I think my next car, a 1993 Pontiac Grand Prix, did. Nice. Yeah. Okay. But I don't think the Daytona had power windows. The Daytona had... All right, let's go down memory lane. You ready for this? The Daytona had those pop-up lights. And oh, I've yeah. seen, I, the, the, something I've only seen in movies and I'm pretty sure I've never seen in real life. Okay, well, The like, lights that, like, once the car turns on, they pop up. If you turn the lights on, the lights or come Or the lights up. go on yeah. and they turn, pop up. Some, yeah. some cars still have that. Mod, like, I think like Corvettes might, Cor- whatever. Corvettes, they did at least until recently. Let's play a yeah. fun game. 
How much did I pay for my first car? My 1988 Dodge Daytona hmm. that I would have purchased probably right around 1996. 1996. What did I pay for a 1988 Dodge Daytona? Good morning, by the way, Jeremy and Joe. The Sabres won by seven last night. We'll get to that. We got plenty on that. I'm use like one of my uh, millionaire lifelines and ask like what what a gallon of milk cost back oh, in 1996. That I don't know. Okay. How about uh, what did, I'm in the hundreds. How many miles were on the car? <laughs> no idea. <laughs> Absolutely no idea. I'm gonna guess like 800 bucks. I'll go 950, 700 dollars. Wow. We went over. I bought a. I bought a. <laughs> I did not car, think I would go over a car for seven hundred bucks. Seven hundred dollars, and that thing drove. It's like what my next irons are going to cost. <laughs> seven hundred dollars. Did wow. it have the little triangle windows? Like you know the ones where? Yeah, you, I think so. Because yeah. it would have been a. It would have been a two door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where you had to like push the seat forward and climb back in there. Yep. A day, an, an eighty-eight Daytona was a two door hatchback kind of car. An yep. 88 Daytona. When did, when did those go out of business? When did the, when Dodge stopped making the Daytonas? Yeah. Boy, it's a good question. So that's a that's a that's your first car? That's my first car. That's a that's a good looking it, first car. It was kind of it was gold. Say. It was gold. It yeah, was I mean gold. it's it's a little sporty. Yeah, it it's could. that's that's the thing, right? I mean, if I'm driving around in high school with that thing, I feel like I'm king <laughs> of the world, yeah. I think. I worked 3 jobs to save up money and buy that 1988 Dodge Daytona for $700. <laughs> I mean, this is an inflation joke. Imagine working three jobs to save up for seven hundred dollars. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, I was seventeen. No, right? Yeah. So it's not like you had a lot of money. Yeah. Wow. Ah, uh, the good old days. Mm-hmm. Was your first car Camry? O two, O two Camry. Not sporty at all. Like <laughs> like this eighty eight Daytona sunroof. Not power windows, you know. I, I still had the CD player in there. Still had the CD player. In fact, I had because Look, I would have I would have had my phone by then. It's funny for you to say it still had the CD player. Like, yeah, I mean, cars had. Do C- they even still now have CD players? They do. I don't think my last two cars have had CD players. Really? Sometimes think. they have them and you don't even know they're there because it's just a slim line. Yeah. Okay. And you can put it in and you might have a car for five years and not even know you can play CDs. It is possible. I want to say it's possible that my last car that I had for like six years, I had it that entire time, and maybe there was a CD player, and I just <laughs> didn't know the whole time. I got one of the, I had to get my my first car because this would bleed in from what two thousand two to I've got my smartphone, which is what I'm playing all my music from. A lot, a lot of you know technology transition in that time. Had to buy one of those things that they exist. You plug yeah, you the plug, cassette player yep. in, it plug the cassette tape plugs into your phone and converts it. Somehow. Yeah. Did I you don't have, know how it worked, it, but it worked. Well, the thing I was gonna save for, did you know that we did this? Oh, am I, am I stealing it? No, that was cassette? it. So you, you got you guys do know about that. Yes. Yeah. That technology, which is what? Like the height of engineering. How did we do that? It doesn't make sense. Like how does it work? How do we do that as a society? But well, we did it. Are you just talking about cassettes in general, or are you talking about cassettes turning into your smartphone music? Well, because, because before they turned into your smartphone music, you plugged them into your CD player. You, so you'd have a little Sony right. Discman in the car and plug the thing in, and the tape would go in the tape deck, and it would play the Discman in your tape deck the same way that your smartphone did. Yeah. And look, this is so funny that we're getting this right away, just kind of organically. The thing I wanted to ask you if you'd ever experienced was a Sony, like a Discman. Because 
To have that mm-hmm. in your car as I'm driving around Auburn, New York in 1996 and 97 with mm-hmm. a Dodge Daytona is if you went over a pothole, the music stopped for like 30 seconds because you're playing a CD. Yeah, the CD and, player would skip. Yeah, so yeah. You, you're driving, you're driving, and the, it, boom, you hit a pothole, and it'd be silent until the CD could, the laser could find the CD again and continue playing. Wait, what are we? T- we're, we're talking about a C- now. We're talking about a CD. Yes, I think I'm. I think I'm. I, lo- I missed. I missed he, something. He's here. saying he took the CD player, like a little CD player, Discman. a portable a CD player, Discman. used to be, a, and plugged it into the know car. What that is. So this is great. He did not know what a Sony, like what a Discman was. I don't know. I mean, what a I don't is. know exactly what that is, but I had like a a modern portable CD player. Do you know what a Walkman is? Yeah, I know what a Walkman is. A Walkman is a little tape player you walk around with. Yeah, yeah. a Discman was that with discs. We had those. Okay. Isn't that just a player? It's just a player, though, yeah, right? Yeah, it's a CD player. It's a CD player. It's a personal CD player. But it wasn't, like, in the, like, the what, the dash itself? No, this was, you could put it around your neck if okay. you wanted to. I mean, it wasn't exactly the easiest thing in the world. They were kind of cumbersome because they were the size of a CD and flat. But, yeah, we did that for a while. Okay. This, I'm looking now, this big bulky thing we were oh, walking yeah. around with. I mean, bulky, at the time, it felt like it was the coolest thing on earth. Yeah, it's massive. If you were a cool kid, you had one of those. Massive. It's like taking up half my nightstand. It looks like next <laughs> to me. That's probably right. Uh, Josh, first car? You're going to be like, oh, 2013 so-and-so. Right? <laughs> no, I had, a, I had my, uh, my dad's old 03 F350 with like 100,000 wow. miles on it. It was it was a yep. big old truck with like no gas mileage whatsoever, but... Got me from point A to point B. It was great in the snow. Had no problems in the snowstorms. A couple tweets coming in. First car, Kyle, a 88 Caprice Classic. Mm-hmm. Another one from uh, Andrew. I drove an 88 Daytona, my second car. Nice. My Daytona had pop-up lights and power windows. That's from Aaron. So maybe my Daytona did have power windows in 1988. Anyway. Maybe that was a package. Kyle writes in, I had a, my mom had a Grand Prix around that year model when I was a kid. Never seen anything like it since. Those weird door handles and the crazy dashboard buttons. Mm-hmm. Ah, memories. Anti-skip technology. Anti-skip technology. Yeah, Panasonic had anti-skip technology. Brandon wrote that into us. We needed anti- anti-skip. Can I find a commercial and ad for that? Yeah. You can still buy it, by the way. There's a look right here for sale for not much more than your uh, 700 bucks back in the day. What's that? For an 88 Daytona. Ah, I should have kept it. Look at the value it held. Still, like, didn't go up that much. How much, like, is it, how much is it now? Twenty. You can get a, a pretty beat up one for like twenty nine hundred bucks. Wow, you're telling me I could have held on to that eighty eight Daytona this whole time and profited for thirty years uh, and there for triple, twenty years, triple, triple the value. Your money. Yeah, I flipped it. Yeah. I, uh, who wants this eighty eight Daytona that I flipped? Although now, does it classify as an antique? V- vintage, vintage. I don't think antique. You gotta get you gotta get to vintage before you get to antique. Okay, antique I think means you can't use it anymore. I thought it was just years. It comes an antique right. after 25 years. If I think of so, if something's called an antique, I'm thinking I can't use it the way that it would have been intended. It's only it's going on a shelf or it's going on display, and that's it. If I hear something is vintage, okay. I think I can still I have an answer for still you. Still use it. A vintage car is something made between 1919 and 1930. An antique is any car older than 45 years old. And a classic car uh-huh. is 20 years or older. So there you go. Antique 45. So they're telling me that that, that 02 Dodge- Camry that I had was a, is now a classic it's a, car? It's a classic car. Well, not anymore because it, I don't think it exists anymore. Here, listen, to round out the story and what happened to my first car, I sold it 
you know, not like for much, to my cousin for it to be her first car when I got a new car. And then when she got rid of it, she sold it to like one of those demolition derbies. Oh. My car's fate, it suffered the fate. The end of its of its car life was being, what, toppled by a monster truck. <laughs> Boy, would you, deserved, it deserved better. Would you want that? Did you watch it? No, I didn't watch oh, it. You I, learned, I learned about this after the fact. Oh, it was probably see, like in a pile somewhere. That's the only thing I'd be upset about. If you're going to do that to my first car, I want to watch it happen and say goodbye. Yes. It's also crazy to do it to a Camry. Camrys go forever. <laughs> that's like, right. They have oh, yeah. crazy mileage. But oh, I, would, yeah. I would want to see Truckosaurus smash my car, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, good morning, Jeremy and Joe. Paul will join us at 7, recap a Sabres victory over the Kings where they blew them out. Nice day for the Sabres. And uh, I've got a Twitter poll up about the Bills. Got a big conversation last night. I was I was up in bed at eleven o'clock last night, you know, going back and forth with a stranger on the idea of trading digs. We'll get to that. But the thing I had about the Sabers to open up: mm-hmm. Will this be a good year? Worth it if they miss the playoffs, but they have a real number one goalie. Because You're saying if they I'm miss saying, by 10 points, yep. but... But the thing that comes out of, of it day, is... Lukanen. Right now, Lukanen has four shutouts. The league lead is six. Right. And yep. Lukanen's goal save above expected is he's, climbing up. He yeah. might just be hot. Yep. But he's in, like, the top 15 among all goalies yeah. right now. Like well, we, we mentioned last week that he was in the top 32, which is, like, he's a, he's a number one goalie. He's a legit he's playing, this year number one goalie. And now he's playing... He's playing his way into like this season. He's been one of the best, one of the best dozen goalies in the league. Yeah, some, some of the advanced numbers point to best dozen goalies in the league. Like, there's not many guys that you can point to, like Hellebuck, Demko, you know, Allmark. There's a few that, like, yeah, they're they've been better, but four shutouts, and he's playing every game. Yeah, Levi's played one of the last eleven, and Comrie hasn't played in two months. Like, it is all Lukanen. It's kind of amazing he's played this well and they, you know, haven't really gained any ground in the standings. No. And they're gonna keep riding him. I don't know. Yeah, like you'd like to make the playoffs, of course. Like that's the goal. If if there's one silver lining to come out of it, we've seen the rest of their roster have their glow up moments, Tage and Cousins, and we've seen great play from Darlene. It's kind of a shame, Joe, because if Lukanen played like this last year, the Sabres finished what, in like second in the division? Like they're awesome. Man. Goaltending yeah. sank them last year. And right now, he's great for right. them. He, at the end of last year, I mean, Levi showed up, and Lukanen wasn't even the backup. Like, they were playing their most important games of the year, where they were still in the race, and they told you they did not trust him, because he never played. Levi showed up, Comrie was even playing a little bit before that, Anderson, when he was healthy, was like... I don't know, when everybody was healthy, was he the fourth goaltender last year to end the season? And he has, I mean, I, I thought you move on from him. You trade him for whatever, or if you lose him through waivers, whatever, because he hadn't played well at the NHL level. He hadn't played well at the AHL level. He hadn't played well at the junior level in a long time. And he just, he's a rock star this year. He he is, he's the guy where... Dan Dunleavy asked me this last week. You going on a breakaway on Lukanen, and do you have confidence he's going to stop it? 
Because for 10 years, most goalies, I thought, okay, this is, this is going in. Yeah, except for Miller. Except for Miller. Miller was the one where it felt like he was he was attacking the, the shooter and they didn't stand a chance. And now I feel like two-on-one's coming in, uh, a breakaway's coming in on Lukanen, and the way he's playing right now, I'm like, oh, he's got it. Yeah. It's a, it's something, right? It, I don't know how reliable it is year over year. I was going to say that, like, I don't, I don't know, though, that I can get to all the way in, he's the number one goalie, we've found our solution because of the season he's having. The goaltender, a lot of goalies. If you if you're a guy that has Lukanen season every year, this year that Lukanen's having, but you have it every year. I mean, you're one of the best goalies in hockey. Most goaltenders, I feel like it's kind of season to season. You know, they'll have years like this, and then they'll have a down year, and then they they might Lukanen might have a guy like Lukanen might have another season like this. In a couple of years, and he might have that one year in his career where he's a Vesna guy. How many different goalies have had Vesna votes in the last 10 years? Guys have career years, and then they drop off, and then they come back a little bit later on. So, I don't know that I'll feel like the Sabres have found their number one goalie as much as I might be even more frustrated that they've wasted a goalie season like this. They got it. They got, they got a it. season like this that we've been waiting for in net, and they wasted it. And how likely are they to have it again next year? Yeah. they got to pay him, by the way, too. They do. He's a restricted free agent. And one year like this, I, I don't know what that's worth. $4 million? On a short-term deal? Maybe. Like a bridge, a bridge deal? If this were Levi instead of Lukanen, would it be more... Exciting? Would it be more noteworthy? I think it would be more exciting. Because yes. Levi came in with all that expectation last year, lived up to it. Yeah. And then if he's having this year that Lukanen's having right now, you know, jerseys are flying off the shelves. you got our future number one. Oh, yeah. With Lukanen, you kind of just laid it all out there. There's, I've got to have a little bit of, okay, let's just make sure he's not having a good year. Because that does happen. Carter, you know, Carter Hutton had a good year. Yeah. You look at what, a 953 he, or 930 something with the Blues? And led this. the league in save percentage yeah. one year. Yeah. So some guys have good years. Is Lukanen, who is highly drafted-ish and has been a good prospect for a long time, mm-hmm. here he is. He's he's showing up for them. He just hadn't given you any signs before this season that this was coming. Like, I, I didn't think. there were, And maybe behind the scenes, maybe work ethic, <laughs> practice, whatever. Maybe that was the indication that they were able to see as to why they hung on to him, but... Game-wise, there was nothing with the Amherst. There was nothing with the Sabres through his first couple of years since he turned pro that told you that this was coming. But, okay, here here we are. Yeah, if it was Levi, it would be different because I don't have those three years with Buffalo and three years with Rochester where this just isn't happening. He was here by default. He hadn't played well with the Amherst. He was with the Sabres because they just didn't have any other goaltenders. And they needed somebody to play, and they didn't. They didn't address it. We sat here and wondered when they would ever address it, and they didn't. Right. It was a big criticism of the Sabers as to have you're just going with these three guys again. It was weird to do it last year, and they did it again. Right. Adding Levi in with no ex- no experience or very little experience, and it is paying off at least for Lukanen. So if it, I don't know, it, like would it be a success? I don't think there's much. Out of the way of any playoff race, almost making it. I mean, really making it in the first place was the starting point of the season. I don't know. I don't. I think nothing that they do while missing the playoffs like this is going to feel like a good year, or is going to feel like it's going to be hard to take positives from it. This would be a positive, but 
again, I, I don't know how much I'm supposed to trust goaltender in today's NHL that this is just going to be Lucan in now for every season going forward. I mentioned Omar a second ago. Even he's stepped back. Yeah, he was a Vesna. Did he win the Vesna last year? He won the Vesna last year, and this year he's not even his team's starting goaltender. Well, that's because his other guy's really good too. But he is still good. He's like, still good. If I'm looking at goal save above expected per sixty, by the way, the Kings goalie last night who got roasted and pulled is one of them. But you, who do you have? Aiden Hill, Connor Hellebuck, Jacob Markstrom, Lena Salmark, Thatcher Demko. He's still he's still near the top of the list. Swayman. Also, and there's Jonathan Quick, which is a bit of a surprise. That one is a total. But it stunner. takes it takes at least two to three years for goalie, I think, to be trusted by everybody. Like that's true. Hellebuck yeah. is definitely trusted. I think Allmark has done enough to be trusted. Swayman's been good for a long time. And you've got some guys that are. Aiden Hill won the Stanley Cup and was kind of a mm, let's see how that goes. And here he is. He's been great this year again. Yep. So with Luke and it's going to take more time for people to really believe it, but it's it's been a nice run and it's. Silver lining. I, like, that's what I want to say. The Saber season has been a big, big failure on a lot of levels. And Kevin Adams spoke about it with Mike Schoen, the Bulldog, yesterday. We'll get some of his comments and play those for you. But th- is this the only thing going well for them? It's it's like L- Lukanen and Paterka. I guess, yeah. is Zach Benson going really well? Or is that going as expected for an 18-year-old player? He scored a really nice, fun goal last night. I thought for sure he was going to go between the legs again. He, he, it seemed like he was uh, ready to do it. He scored anyway. Yep. Um, I mean, Benson has five goals. I was going to say, like, I don't it's, think... it's cool and it's still incredible that he's here in the first place and that he's able to with, to hold his own. You know, he's penalty killing, right? Like, yeah. he's he's playing a defensive role almost for them. But, no, I don't know. Like, it, how much of an impact he's going to score 10 goals on the season? If that. If yeah. that. Yeah, again, cool that he's here. I think he's rightfully being called the best prospect in their organization by anyone that's doing like rankings like that. But I, I wonder. I mean, if Yuri Kulik is getting these minutes, does he have five goals? I mean, he might be. He might have seven. Might have ten. Yeah. He also not, not to take anything away from Benson, but if you're ranking, Benson, Benson did something that like one guy in, in the league's done in ten years, like yeah. be drafted outside the top ten and make the team out of out of your first. Draft is that position. a comment about the team you make though? Um. Yeah. I mean, does he make the Bruins? No. Does he, he make the Panthers? No. Not I'm, again. I'm not trying to no, take anything right. away from him. I'm just a real contending team. He's not. He's not on the probably roster. not. And if you're ranking the things that have gone well for the Sabers, it goes Lucan in one, Paterka two, Ryan Johnson three, and is there a fourth? Yeah. Am I am I out? That might be it. That's that's not. <laughs> I can't get to a fourth thing. Not a lot has gone well, but Lukanen's right at the top. It's gone really well. So you just be fine. Like there, there's no other like alternative. They're just going to be Lukanen and Levi at the beginning of next year. I mean, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I'm like, well, last night there was Elliot Friedman telling everybody that UC Saros is available for trade in Nashville. There was a report that the Sabers were looking for goaltending help. Right, and then there was a report yesterday that Saros is who's a legit number one. That's not John Gibson contract. Oh, I don't know if I want that. That's a guy that's been, like, top 10 goaltender in the league every year up until, like, this season. And he's still 28 years old. Like, I would want them to be close to that type of idea. I'm not saying you need to rush Lucan off the roster, but I don't know. If they think they can go get – they can use him to get the top four defensemen that they, we've been waiting three years for them to go get. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know goalie. It's been waiting so long, and they've they've waited a long time for Lucan even. 
right? Like he's been how long have we been? Oh, this guy Lukanen's coming at some point. Like that was he was Levi before Levi for that. So to finally have him develop and then just to quit on it, you know, would feel like, well, what am I doing all this for? But you'd be doing all of it for he's a tool, he's a piece to go get you something that you haven't been able to find in multiple seasons or haven't tried to find in multiple seasons if you think, if they still think Devin Levi is going to be a number one goaltender and they can do something else. I mean, I don't. I just wouldn't want them to be close to that. I'm not trading Luke and just to trade him. No, but that that's going to be a weird contract negotiation. Well, and I I don't. They're not giving him seven years. Like to me, that would be nuts. So I think a lot of options should be on the table. And to your point about if, if he develops into a number one and waiting this long, like it it can be viewed as a success story. But at the same time, burning multiple years of not having good enough goaltending and then coming out of that with one guy who's good. Kind of looks like a success story, but you don't have to have burned years finding it. Mm-hmm. Like last year, when they burned a good team with bad goalies. But yeah. Last year's team would have made the playoffs if they had better goaltending. So, whatever. There's there's some silver lining there. 803-0550, Sabres blow out the Kings in their black and red. Get a bunch of scoring, which is good. Nice to see goals again. We'll chat about that with you. We'll talk with Paul at 7 o'clock. I'm going to get the results of my poll on Diggs. I don't know if you saw Pro Football Focuses, not Spot Trick, but Pro Football Focuses contract projection for Gabe Davis. Mm-hmm. want to get you that because Matthew Barry of uh, Fantasy Life, yep. he I subscribed to his newsletter. He had a whole little section on Gabe Davis and what's going to happen with Gabe Davis. We'll get to that. Plenty to get to. The Diggs chatter. I mean, there's no nothing new, just people still tell me every day. I get emails, they should trade them, and I think it's nuts. So we've got lots to catch up on. We'll talk about love and Valentine's Day in our first cars, too, if you'd like. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. Paterka in the far corner. Open the scoring in this game. Here's Benson in front, score! Zach Benson, that's all he does is go to the net, and he gets rewarded here. The Sabres pick up their fifth of this game. It's 5 nothing Buffalo. Mr. Dan Dunleavy on the call. One of the moments of the game brought to you by Firth Jewelers. For all the moments in your life, go forth to Firth. Take your calls on uh, the Sabres win last night. If you got a thought on that, we were talking about Lukanen, his emergence, and how that is a silver lining for the Sabres this year on a year that's been a rough one. Ayuk is about to play in a fifth-year option for $14 million. Okay. By the way, how about that? $14 million for his fifth season on the fifth-year option. Last year he made four. Mm. Year four, $4 million of a receiver that good. That's why they draft him, baby. 803-0550, Jeremy and Joe, good morning. If you want to join us, happy Valentine's Day as well. Without looking it up, I'm 99.9% sure it's both Jim Kelly's and Drew Bledsoe's birthday. I think they're both. Yeah. I think they're both Valentine's Day birthdays. And my college roommate, Paulie. Okay, <laughs> that's a pretty good uh, birthday t- to share. I hope he's a Bills fan. Then I got to text him. He is not. I he's think. not a no. Bills fan. He's... So he would not be as impressed with sharing a birthday with Jim Kelly and Drew Bledsoe. That's right. He is a Giants fan. He's from New York. Okay, you were correct on both counts. All right. Look, now I got to text Paulie and see if I'm three for three. Look at that. We'll get uh, Tim on a cell in. Tim, good morning. 
How's it going, guys? Good, Tim. Thanks. Go ahead, uh -oh, bud. Uh oh. Now the phone's not working for us. Try that again. Yep. He wanted to talk about Lukanen. Yeah. Well, Who's been great? We're open to that. <laughs> yeah. It's been fun, a fun season to watch him. I mean, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't make the games as exciting. Is that, is that any reason why they're not scoring as many goals this year? Isn't that they, they don't need to as often? They're the back and forth game that they might have got accustomed to last year. Just doesn't have to happen. Doesn't happen. I mean, there's there's well, a lot more one nothing, two nothing, two one scores. It really might. I I wonder if it's just a function of they don't score first anymore. They used to last score. night. They did, and it was like a like what? Yep. Like they scored five minutes into the game yesterday, and it felt like you know they have a terrible record of trying to overcome getting scored on first. Horrible. Yeah. I dug up and, the and other in the, day in the first period too. Like they, yeah, that's one of the yeah. biggest problems is if they want to play a wide open style, the other team scores first. Backs down a bit, and, you know, they're kind of screwed. I looked up the other day. They've basically played trailing at home this season twice as often as they've played with the lead at home this season. Yeah. Like, most of the time they're on the ice this season, at least in the home games, they are they are behind. And it's because they always give up goals in the first couple of minutes. And that was something Adams talked about yesterday, like, right out of the bat, when he was on with Chopin Bulldog. Just, we, our, our biggest problem this year or one of them is just we come out of the gates and like we just we we we're not ready, which kind of sounds like you know maybe that sounds like coaching a little bit I don't, or maybe that's the group, but it's been a weird year for that where they always are getting they're getting down early and then having to play catch up. Eight oh three oh five fifty one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty on the Sabers. Kevin Adams yesterday kind of shot down the idea that they are. Shopping middle stat. They're not shopping him. Maybe they're taking calls. Which he right. He even he confirmed kinda after that. Like teams call. Isn't he just going against the notion that he's calling everybody, seeing what they can get for Casey Middlestat? Pretty much. Like I didn't. I I still believe that they would move him, and that there are. I mean, he kind of said it that there are conversations that are being had about him. Yeah, but he did say they expect to sign him. Now that could just be posturing. The thing about shooting that down is, you know, uh, fine, a GM is going to publicly say, well, we expect to bring this guy back. We're, we're, not, we're not shopping him. The rumors as they've gone with Middlestat make sense. And a, a good chunk of the Sabres fans and observers would say, well, obviously trading a guy like that makes sense because you already have too many guys signed at forward and too many prospects at forward. If they were to sign Middlestat, even, Joe, as you sit here and protect your assets and make it seem like you love Middlestad. Okay. The day you sign him, every team in the NHL knows that all those forward prospects you have, now you have less room for them. Because you already don't yeah. have a lot of room for them. Let's take all the guys that are locked in and sign up. Sign up between, I mean, Skinner's here for a long time still. I mean, that's a long contract. But yeah. Thompson, Cousins, I mean, Quinn and Paterka are going to stay. Yep. That's four. Middlestad, I'm at five. Tucks under contract. Tucks under, I'm at that's, six. That's your, that's your top six. And I've still got <laughs> none of those forwards. Yeah. Savoy, Benson, Cooley. I know now if you're going to make a trade, you are in a position where you are more likely to move one. So we'll see. I, I feel like shutting down that conversation, you know, it's a position of strength you're trying to represent. But it's to me because it's a hard trade to make. And if you don't make it, then 
you might have to you might have to you might have to pay him. Well, I guess you don't have to because as we found out for sure from Adams yesterday, he's he's not in the situation that Reinhardt was in. It's not one more year and then he can take you to free unrestricted free agency. He, because of what games played at some point in his career, or some, there's some weird reason why Middlestead has two more years as a restricted free agent, not one. Which, by the way, the stupidest thing about this sport. It, it'll be good for the Sabres, I guess, because they'll get to control the asset longer. But Middlestead's going to be 27 years old, 10 years into his career before he's finally able to test the market. <laughs> Like that that's how long it takes in the NHL, how long these teams have. But either way, they only can make a hockey trade with him. Like he said it yesterday. We're not looking for any futures. And how easy is it going to be for them to find a middle stat trade out there? And you gotta find a team like you, again, you gotta find a hockey trade. You gotta find a team that wants offense enough that they're willing to give you something that's helping them. You might have to, you know, limit your teams you're dealing with in the first place because if you go call Carolina just or Edmonton, somebody that's in a playoff spot right now, and they go, well, yeah, we, we'd be super interested in Casey Middlestat, but wait, you want our defenseman that plays 21 minutes a night? Yeah. Like, why in the world would we do that right now? I think that's what's going to make trading him really tough because trading him for a first and a prospect is just not happening and makes zero sense in the first place. 803-0550. Sabres win to the offseason. We go for, of course, the Bills. And uh, we've got a Twitter poll about that I want to really dig into. Lots to do with it as well. Did you see the John Feliciano controversy? No. This is pretty good. This is as juicy as it gets. John Feliciano. So... Who started in the Super Bowl, for those who yeah. maybe maybe realized that as the game was undergoing, that, hey, look, that's John Feliciano. And got hurt. In the game, yep. And, yep. Bec- and you know, this gets down to the margins. How did the Chiefs beat the Niners? One of the ways they beat the Niners was John Feliciano got hurt. Mm-hmm. And why was it so important? On a key third and four in overtime, the right guard that went in for Feliciano, Spencer Burford, he whiffed. Mm-hmm. And this is this the play where Chris Jones unblocked? Yes. Okay. Through the B gap, unblocked. So there's a video going around blaming the right tackle, Colton McKivitz. And Feliciano posted, I know you know all, so you should know that's not Colton's guy. A quick chop is not needed at the guy that was supposed to block him, blocks him. So there's Feliciano defending Colton McKivitz, basically saying, like, yeah, the right guard missed it. Now, huh. to, right. Burford. So he just kind of called out his... He fl- I mean, he's defending one teammate, but he's throwing another one right. under the bus. In an attempt to defend the right tackle, like, that was not his guy. Burford yeah. re- replied to Feliciano. This all happened on, in, on in social media. Sheesh. I opened, up, I opened up my app to this. Get well, bro. Feliciano then apologized. This is, you know, drama, but whatever. I'm sorry, bro. I woke up hungover and being a B-word and trying to have one's back. I hurt you. It's bleeped up, and I apologize. You got nothing but greatness ahead of you. I'm sorry. But this is a spot where, <laughs> as a fan, or at, like, let's be real about it for a second. Feliciano uh, told the truth. Yeah. That is Spencer Burford's guy. How could you call out a teammate like that? Well, it is the truth. Yeah. yeah. What do we want? We want him to pretend it's something else, or do we want him to tell the truth? I mean, we want him to tell the truth. 
his linemen might fight him when he comes into the locker room. The the guy who made the mistake doesn't want people to tell the truth. Let's just call it a miscommunication. Right, right. It was your fault. His other linemen probably would not want him to tell the truth there either. Right. Colton McKivitz? Even him. I don't know. You're the guy catching all the flack online for missing the block because if you watch that highlight, what, what happens? McKivitz blocks no one while Chris Jones runs right by him. Yeah. So you say, like, what is this guy looking at? Here's Feliciano to say, it's not his guy. It's mm-hmm. not his fault. If you're McKivitz, do you want the entire 49er world blaming you for a year? Mm-hmm. And knowing knowing that it's not correct? Is it throwing someone under the bus, or is it telling the truth? It's a tough spot. It's telling the truth, and you're right, like... I don't know. Like, how would Trent Williams feel about it? Who's the left tackle on that line? Like, doesn't he come in? It, there's no game the next day. If that happened and the season was still going, doesn't Trent Williams come in the next day and is like in Feliciano's face about like you're for telling you the truth? Yeah, you don't you don't air our dirty laundry and you you let it go. And if McKivitt says so, what he should do is he should let me be blamed for it for the rest of my life. But again, that's like that's how it works. You got to choose. You've kind of started all that just by the tweet in the first place, haven't you? Though. No, it if was Feliciano. No, it was already going out there that McKivitz. Feliciano yeah, was yeah. responding to the viral video blaming nice, okay. Colton McKivitz. So here's no, this, right, but Twitter thinks it's Colton McKivitz's fault. This is like, let's say the Ray Ray McLeod fumble happens on that punt return, mm-hmm. and a replay never shows that it hit the foot of, a, of, of the other player. Mm-hmm. Like in the moment, everyone's really ra- mad. Why would Ray Ray McLeod even try to field that ball? Oh, it's because it touched someone. Mm-hmm. Instantly, yeah, no, that instantly, your mistake is understandable. That that wasn't your fault. And in the in the course of for Feliciano here, yeah. I'm not saying what he did was right, but it is a tough spot because it's should I tell the truth and throw the backup right guard under the bus, or should I let my right tackle take the heat for something that wasn't his fault? And then him and Jalen Carter got into it on Twitter. That I didn't see. Jalen Carter of the Eagles said something. Because uh, th- this is where I thought you were going with the controversy between Carter and Feliciano. Carter maybe was, was he a teammate at some point of, of Buford or whatnot? But essentially Feliciano is claiming that Jalen Carter threatened him. I don't know if it has anything to do with the Buford, Buford thing, but like this was all happening yesterday, so I thought it did. Um, but either way, like... What was it? Carter said yesterday, trying to find, like, stop trash talking my my dead teammate or something. Like oh, that, that I have no idea. There was, like, a bunch of stuff happening with Feliciano yesterday. He's kind of a crazy dude. A little bit. A little bit. He's talked a little bit of junk about the Bills and McDermott since leaving, I think. Yes, he's, he has. He wanted to do that. Yes, he has. 803-0550, to join us. Jeremy and Joe, when we get back, what do I want to tease for you when we get back? I've got a bunch of different things here. Um, ah, Bu- Oh, the other thing was, Bu- so maybe it was about Buford that Carter was saying, because Bu- Burford? Burford. Burford, Spencer, Spencer Burford. He tweeted back at Feliciano after he said that it wasn't, it was Burford's fault, and Burford said, sheesh, I opened up my yeah. app to this. Yeah. So it doesn't seem like he appreciated it very no, much. No, he doesn't. But is, should it be on Burford to come out and say, if it's your fault. Say it's my fault. You're the one who should come out and say that it's hey, it's my fault. Yep. Rather than get mad at Feliciano for saying it. When we get back, a stat of the day on the Chiefs that'll, it's going to bother you. I don't know who that is. The who? The, 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 they don't exist. The, uh, the Kansas City football team. A stat on them and the Super Bowl that's, it's going to bother you. 
That and then Paul Hamilton on the Sabres as we uh, cruise through Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day on WGR. Happy Valentine's Day. You're not going to love this stat. This is the stat of the day I've got for you here. Someone did some uh, digging. Stat of the day brought to you by Seneca Gaming and Irving, home of the biggest, biggest bingo payouts and slot machines with thousands won daily. So the Kansas City Chiefs have... Uh, they've, they've won again. They've won again. They've, won, th- they've won three Super Bowls. In their three, appeared in four, but in their three Super Bowl wins, mm-hmm. they've been called for, that's 13 quarters of football because of an overtime win as well, right? Right. 13 quarters of football and Super Bowl wins, they've been called for zero holding penalties. <laughs> what? Now come on. I mean, Mahomes throws the ball fast, right? But come on. Zero? How many? How many pass plays is that? It's probably it's gonna a be lot. hundreds, that's, right? That's probably a lot. Yeah, it's got to be hundreds of pass plays that they've not been called. He runs too. Yes, he does. Like none of those aren't. That's a lot of times when you see a holding call is the lineman doesn't know he's about to take off and he's got his hands between the shoulder pads and then when the lineman tries to chase Mahomes because he's running, you're. It's not even really the lineman's fault. It just happens. And that that's never been called either? Yep. That did not make me feel great. 46 pass attempts against the Niners, 27 against the Eagles, and 50 against the Niners. None. That's 120, 130 pass attempts and not a single holding call. Cool. Sweet. Yep. <laughs> 803 Sabres win. Their next game is uh, tomorrow night, Florida. Boy, the Panthers are rolling. Yes, they are. Uh, they're very good. 33, Sam Reinhart, second in the league in goals. Yeah, 33-15-4. They are absolutely smoking right now, the Panthers. They. Um, I, I went through this yesterday because it's kind of funny about the Sabres, about regulation wins in the Eastern Conference this year. Yeah. The Panthers are number one in the Eastern Conference this year in regulation wins. They have the most. Sabres have the sixth most. Tampa, Carolina, Boston, New York, Florida. Those are the only teams with more regulation wins than the Sabres this year. They, they're not playing great, I don't think, in the season overall. They're not scoring. Their power play is terrible. But you could make the case the Sabres are not where they should be in the standings this year because they just don't make it to overtime. That's tough. Getting overtime wins and points like that, it's not sexy, but you know you could add like seven it's points. Loser points. Yeah. If it was just, do you win in regulation, they would they would be in a playoff spot. But 803-0550. Paul Hamilton on the other side will recap last night's game with the Sabres, uh, talk about Kevin Adams' comments, and uh, then switch gears after Paul to the Bills and a conversation about what, how they should approach this season, what the mindset really is. I've got a Twitter poll about that, about whether or not they should view – winning this coming year as unrealistic, which was something that was asked to me. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. 
That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's Paul Hamilton. That's what they called me in college. It's the bone. He has the facts to back up his opinions. People ask me, well, how are the Sabres going to win tonight? I don't have a clue. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Paul Hamilton's appearance brought to you by Raylax Honda. Raylax, we got this. Sabres touchdown over the Rams. No, the Rams are, sorry, it's the Kings. L.A. Kings. Hey, Paul. How are you? Good. Good. The Sabres got, uh, you know, everything they needed. Perfect game. We don't talk about perfect games in hockey, but uh, it's about a perfect game for them. Well, in the last two games against the Kings, they have now scored 11 unanswered goals uh, on the Kings. They uh, fell behind 3-1 to one in L.A. and won that game 5-3. to three. And... Uh, Scored seven goals in this one, so that's 11 unanswered goals on the L.A. Kings. The story, of course, is the scoring. Joe and I started talking the show, started opening up the show, talk about uh, Lukanen and how it's his fourth shutout. And what the Sabres have here, of all the things that have uh, gone poorly this year, the list of things that have gone right is short. But at the top of it is Ukapeka Lukanen's development and what what they're getting out of him playing like a true number one goaltender. Yeah, I was wrong about Mike Bales. I thought last year, and we talked about it, that you know maybe it was time to you know cut bait with uh, Mike Bales. It just didn't seem like the goaltenders were you know making progress or whatever. But uh, you know he's done a he's done a really good job uh, uh, with uh, Uko Pekalukinen and and really helped him come into his own and helped him become a number one goaltender and. Uh, uh, you know, really, uh, you know, it just took him a while. You know, he was, and you know, he, he used Allmark as an example. Allmark was 26 years old before he was a number one goaltender, and Ukopekalukin, and now at age 24, going on 25, um, you know, he's he now uh, looks to be like you know he's he's I think done it long enough now. We can call him a number one goaltender in the NHL. I mean, his last 12 games, I mean, he, he has uh, goals against around, what did I look up, 161, something like that, and a save percentage of around 940. And unfortunately, his record's 7-5. and five. Mm-hmm. You know, and I put that out there, people said his record should be 10-2, and two. you know, not 7-5, and five, uh, putting up those types of numbers. Any part of that too, Paul? The like the rhythm he's been able to get into. He started ten of eleven, and the three goalie thing's been over for a while now. I, I wonder how much even he would think that just having the normal rotation or just having the net to himself has maybe also helped him, you know, build some momentum here. And he, you know, he doesn't look to be wearing down at all. I mean, he, he looks fine, and the schedule has been good for a goaltender to try to play him a lot. You know, there haven't been too many situations that are uh, back-to-back, except for the Los Angeles game. 
you know, in L.A. He didn't play that one. That was the last time he didn't play because that was, excuse me, that was a back-to-back situation. So, um, and he doesn't have another one now until the first week in March when they do have a back-to-back in Toronto and in Nashville. So the schedule has been kind to him where he can play every game, not get worn down, and uh, continue to do well. What do you think he's playing himself into? I mean, you you just said it, right? Like he's playing like a number one goaltender. Do you think that's how the Sabers will treat him going forward? Let's let's you know you have to project a little bit here because there's still so many games to go. But he's restricted at the end of the year, and I don't know what he thinks most likely is the the way he's playing that he'll at least get a bridge deal. I don't know if anyone would go as far as to say like the big long term deal yet. Yeah, I have no idea what what he's going to earn, you know, as far as money goes, uh, uh, and what they're willing, where they're willing to go with it. You know, it's not even going to be a full season of being a number one goaltender. Um, but really, you, you think about it. Before he got sick, he was playing pretty well. Probably wasn't playing quite as well as he is right now, but he was playing pretty well. And then he got sick, and then when he came back, he wasn't playing well at all. He got really sick. I mean, he got run down. And it took about, oh, what? What do you want to say? About three, four, five games for him to start, you know, doing what he's doing now. And it really kicked in for him. Those numbers that I quoted you started from December 29th on, and uh, where he's just – those numbers are basically second in the NHL behind Skinner of the Edmonton Oilers, who went on that long, long winning streak uh, for the Oilers. So, and even shutouts. The uh, Jari of the Pittsburgh Penguins leads the NHL with six shutouts, and Lukanen has four. Now that the, you know, so he's he's closing in on the shutouts lead too for the for the NHL. One thing we're we're seeing, Paul. You mentioned the next time. One of the other goalies might play would be March because they don't have a back-to-back coming up. I'm thinking about down the stretch last year when they leaned on Levi so heavily. Is this a window into Don Granato and how he would handle a number one goaltender if they had one? I mean, a number one goalie, they've they've split time because they've been inexperienced and trying to find out who it is. But if once they get an established number one, that guy might play 50 games with Don Granato. Yeah, and you usually you don't have a friendly schedule like this where you're hardly even playing back-to-backs, and they only have three left. You know, they have three in March, and that's it. So if he doesn't wear down and, you know, sports the sports science people say, you know, he's he's ready to go, he's, he's going well, really he can play every game except three for the rest of the year. And... Uh, you know, keep moving forward that way. So um, it, it's interesting. You know, yeah, he, I think that's how he would play a number one goaltender. But I think Buffalo in most years would have more back-to-backs than he's had to face lately. How about the rest of the team last night, Paul? They get to seven. I felt like they had the puck the entire game. I don't Maybe there was a stretch where L.A. kind of got going, but it felt like it was their game really from beginning to end when it came to creating chances. And I guess at the end, that's where Lukanen maybe got tested as the shutout was trying to be preserved. And even on that front, Paul, like there's Dylan Cousins with 10 seconds left laying out to block a shot. Like, I don't know. I felt like the the skaters themselves had, a, had an amazing night. 
They did, and even when Los Angeles made a push, they weren't getting, like, four rebounds on a shot. You know, the, the, the Sabres still were doing a pretty good job of getting rid of the rebounds, getting the puck out of there, and not allowing Los Angeles to get, like, three consecutive shots for the most part. I mean, they did a little bit. But uh, for the most part, uh, they did a pretty good job of, of doing that. And I think, I mean, full marks for the way they played. I mean, first of all, they went out and won battles right off the bat and, and really got on the Los Angeles defense, forcing turnovers, winning battles, and then getting people and pucks to the net. Exactly what Don Granado was so upset about in the last game against the St. Louis Blues. It was almost like message received. And I'm sure Sabre fans really enjoyed watching that game last night, watching their team play close to close to perfect game. You're never going to play a perfect game. Um, but uh, to, to play, you know, hard, to, to the, you know, they, they were hard to play against. They played hard. But also, I think it was frustrating for a fan to say to yourself, well, look what they can do. Look, look at what this team is capable of doing when they feel like it. You know, when and how many times have you heard me say that this year? When they play the way Don Granado wants them to play, they're a pretty darn good hockey team. But they don't do it very often. And that's what I think the frustrating part is, is what you saw last night was certainly fun to watch. They scored first, scored three goals in the first period. Uh, you know, went out to a three to nothing lead, which I think gave them confidence right off the bat. I mean, Paterka scores. Um, I'm going by memory here around the 4:25 mark, and uh, they don't look back in the period. Now that lifts them because it's been six or seven games since they had scored first, and that lifts them to to even get more in the first period. And I, you know, I, I don't know if just for fans, it just what I the impression I got as they were you know contacting me throughout the game I think it was it was fun for them to watch but it was frustrating for them to watch too knowing that's in their team but they don't do it very often Paul Hamilton joining us on the Western Hotline Paul Kevin Adams spoke with Mike Schoen the Bulldog yesterday we'll wrap with this uh, get to the deadline and Middlestat and Kevin Adams put down the idea that they're shopping Middlestad and even went so far as that they expect to get a contract done, which is something that Middlestad had, had expressed has not really happened. There's not been a lot of, of movement on that. He is an RFA for two more seasons, so the Sabres still have a long say in this. What do you ultimately think the Sabres should do with Middlestad? Is this a player that they should re-sign uh, long-term or just kind of sit on it for a little bit of a while? You keep their asset and, and see how things play out. Well, as you said, Kevin Adams did confirm it's two more, you know, two more years before he's an RFA, and you know he he said they they are not shopping him, but if other teams call, he said other teams have called, and as he always will, he will always listen, um, even the, to the most ridiculous offers, uh, you know, or players that he's not even planning on trading, no matter what. Um, an untouchable. He will always listen. He wants to hear what values are out there when it comes to that. And I think when he did say that he expects to get something done with him, you know, but but he's also going to be listening, you know, when it comes to people calling and asking about him. But I think when he's talking about getting something done, 
it might be a year or two contract. I, I, I would be very surprised if all of a sudden a six-year contract or a seven-year contract were to be offered and signed um, just because you got Paterka coming, you got Quinn coming, you probably got, got um, you know, Levi coming. Who knows where they're going to go with Lukanen as far as a contract goes. Uh, does, do they offer him a couple of years or do they offer him something that ties him up for long term? Uh, you know, so I could see the Sabres trying to get Casey Middlestat to maybe sign a two-year deal. And then, you know, you, you could give him, what do you want to say? What What is the worth? Six million, somewhere in there? I think I've seen seven and seven is like the neighborhood. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think seven and seven is, is – uh, they might be able to give him the money, but I don't think they're going to give him seven years. Yeah. I, I think it would be a one- or two-year – type of a situation part of it paul on all these long-term deals for the sabers is you know it's nice to feel like you've locked up a player and you've got good value they went long long term of course with uh tage cousins darlene samuelson the the drawback is you got to be really confident in those deals because you lose a lot of flexibility and that's that's really what the sabers have lost here is some of their flexibility to move things yesterday you mentioned everything should be on the table if they decide they want to shop thompson and of course the problem there would be anybody that wants to trade for and, him. And by the way, Adams kind of said the same thing. Yeah, Bull, the Bulldog asked him if he has a list of untouchables, and he basically said, like, it, in this spot, you can't really do that. Yeah. So. And the problem is, hey, I'd love to talk about trading this player. Seven years on a contract, sometimes that's really nice to have. Other times, that's going to kill a trade because teams aren't going to want to give up flexibility. Yeah, and I, who would be um... – an untu- in in my book, they have one untouchable, and that's Rasmus Dahlin. I don't know if you guys would even have that, or if that would be your untouchable, or how you were if you would have more. But all the guys that have signed long term deals regressed this year, and uh, in in their growth, one thing about Casey Middlestat, he's one of two players that had not regressed. Three. I'm sorry. I'll say. Well, Skinner did regress assist-wise. He has regressed um, goals-wise. He not not necessarily has regressed all that much. Just a little bit in his current slump. But you know what'll happen? He'll score a goal, and then he'll score four and five games, and he'll get back to the pace he was on. Um, but Paterka is is way ahead. He's he's got 19 goals, and Casey last year Casey Middlestat set career highs. And he's about to build on that and set them again. So at least you've got a guy now who is in his second year of improving and playing well and not regressing. Paul Hamilton on the Western Hotline. Thank you, Paul. No problem, guys. Take care. Paul's appearance brought to you by Relax Honda. Relax, we got this. So you got something here? You want to switch gears? We can switch gears. Field Yates has his new uh, mock draft up at ESPN.com. You know they showed on the screen to promote it on SportsCenter? You know what was in my face while we were talking uh, hockey with Paul there on the TV? The Chiefs will select Adnai Mitchell, wide receiver from Texas in the yeah. first round. Sweet. Although I don't know yet whether he picked a wide receiver for the Bills. so I, well, could, I could get so, to a place where I'm okay. It's funny. There was a He did, by the way. There was a guy yesterday asking if the Chiefs – let me find who it was. Yeah, Randy Muller, 2000 NFL Executive of the Year, does a podcast on The Athletic. 
He was a former executive of the Saints and the Dolphins. He asked this question on uh, of the Chiefs. The Chiefs are now the poster child for not paying a receiver. Will other teams adopt and tamp down values of this year's mediocre group of UFA receivers? Hmm. Of Which co- makes sense, right? No. That it would... Oh, wait, he's saying the opposite. He's saying that because the Chiefs won without a big money or big oh, receiver, okay, wait, 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 sorry. other yes. teams will say, like, oh, you don't need to pay a receiver. No, that's that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. This is, ridiculous. An, this is a former executive of the year in the NFL. Right. The Chief, Guess who's going to immediately seek a receiver out? The Chiefs! Yeah. <laughs> they yes. did it. They did it, and they can't believe they did it. They probably can't believe that they did it. Holy cow, can you believe we had the worst offense we ever had and we won the Super Bowl because our defense came and saved our bacon? Don't they walk back into the, the office after winning the Super Bowl? They're, they're uh, Ron Burgundy and the news crew after winning the, the battle where Brick throws a triton at the other newsmen. Like, man, that escalated quickly. Yeah. Like, they're, they're like, that was hard, right? Don't they kick their feet up after winning and go, that was hard. We shouldn't make it that hard again. Why was it hard? Well, because look who our receivers were. Yeah, that's that's the reason why it, it was so hard for them. They wa- needed they needed historically great performances against. By the way, they played four of the six top offenses in the playoffs. They needed to have the defensive performances they did. They needed to have a historically great defensive run. They needed to, to win. They needed the Bills to miss a field goal. They needed the Bills to drop passes. They needed the They need apparently needed no holding penalties. That's right. They so. needed the Niners to miss an extra point. I mean, like, listen, they won. The idea that it is kind of funny no, though. They're, they're gonna go do it this offseason. Every time let me let me tell you, hey, our team's gonna decide not to have receivers. Yes. Hmm, let me think about this. The Steelers, Mike Tomlin thinks, wow. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes won without a big receiver. Let me trade George Pickens and Deontay Johnson and see if I can do it with Kenny Pickett mm. and Arthur Smith. Like not everything's created equally. Nuts. No, they're gonna they're gonna go and they're gonna go do it this offseason. What else are they gonna they're gonna go draft a guy and they're I think they're gonna add they're some gonna linemen. Pay a guy too. They're gonna they're gonna pay their line. Or they're gonna find some linemen and some receivers and, and they're gonna be good. I mean their defense is in good shape. Meanwhile, I guess we should pour one out. Pro Football Focus just asked Saquon Barkley's next uh, the t- the odds for the next team he is on. Mm-hmm. And Bills fans, they know this game too well. Listen, we we had a good run. We had a good run. It was only about what three or four years of a running back is available, and the Bills are a favorite to get that running back. Pro Football Focus tweeting this out: potential fits for Barkley. Giants, Texans, Chargers, Bears, Eagles, Ravens, end of list. James Cook did it. He did it. He did the impossible. James Cook. Thank you, Jimbo Cook. (laughs) He has managed to get the Bills off of a list of teams that might look for a highly paid running back. Wow. It's pretty amazing. It's like, it feels like the drought just ended. (laughs) Look at that. They did it. They did it. The Bills will not be mocked a running back. Although they're probably going to be mocked Derrick Henry in five minutes, right? Yes. Different Someone, Someone's going to do it at some point. But, James Cook. Hey, we've made it through this point where like, I don't know that I've seen it from anybody. Have we? No. Has anyone mocked them? There's no running back in the first round this year. James, it sounds like, which James is Cook did it. He did it. Pro Bowler. That's Is that all he needed to do? You needed the... You need... you Because... 
you know, not everyone's studying how good all these running backs are at all times. But if you're whoever and you're sitting down to do your mock draft and or you're doing your free agency predictions, and in the past you'd go, well, it's Devin Singletary. I could put I could put Derrick Henry there. I could put Bijan Robinson there. I could put Travis Etienne there. Now you look and go, well, didn't James Cook make the oh, James Cook made the Pro Bowl? I can't do that. I can't replace James Cook. That was the bar. I think I asked this question before the season. What's the bar for James Cook to clear? The bar was just get us to this point. Yeah, we're not talking running back. Where they're not on the list of teams that need a running back, or they're not being linked to whoever. You ready for the Bills to like draft one in the third round? They love drafting running backs. I'm not ready for that. Ian Hart had said that list yesterday. Maybe you didn't see If you're on Twitter, you saw this. Maybe. Maybe not. Ian Hart, it's every NFL team and what they've drafted in the last four years. No team has drafted more in the first three rounds. Rounds one, two, and three. From 2019 to 2023, no team has drafted more running backs than the Bills. But what he doesn't know is you've got to think of James Cook like a wide receiver. Of course. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. 803-0550. Got some... Uh, by the way, if you're interested, Field Yates had the Bills taking Brian Thomas. I've seen that a lot. Yes. That he would fall to them. Brian Thomas Jr. out of LSU. 803 550 All right, when we get back, the contract projection for Gabe Davis. I want to get that to you. Pro Football Focus has a contract projection for for Gabe Davis. It's very different than Spot Tracks. So I want to get that and then bring up this, this conversation that some Bills fans are having about their position and if they should cut digs and eat $31 million because they're not going to win this year anyway. We we just really have to – we're back at intervention status, Joe. Mm-hmm. There needs to be another intervention on the digs discourse because people are losing their minds. So we'll do all that. 803-0550. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. Krebs, one-on-one here on the left side of the ice, getting the zone. Takes a look. Ryan Johnson sends it to the far circle. Here comes a shot. That one scores! That's in the net. The Sabres on the 4 nothing lead. Rasmus Dahlin. Dan Dunleavy on the call. One of the highlights, one of the moments of the game, brought to you by Firth Jewelers. For all the moments in your life, go forth to Firth. Jeremy and Joe, Josh Schmidt producing. Good morning. Happy Valentine's Day. We open up the show talking about our first cars somehow. <laughs> right. Well, everybody loves their first car. That's 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 why, right? Yeah. Does everybody love their first car? I love my first car. You hard yes. not to. Yes. Yes. You love it. If it was a piece of junk, you love it. Looking back at it. Yep. You know, maybe it has uh, it has character. Sure. In that way. Sure. It's that first taste of freedom. Yeah. That's yeah. Exactly. Who did you get your answer, Josh, on yours? Mine was a truck, I think. That's right. I had a yeah, Ford F three fifty. Wow, look at you. Big boy truck. Just driving around leading did you like take floats in high school parades and stuff? Mm, One time. One time. You're driving an F three fifty. I've got a nineteen eighty eight Dodge Daytona. You could have driven over my car with the F three fifty. Were you the first one with a new car? Of my friends? Yeah. No. Because that that's a that's a special type of freedom. If you're the first one to get to that milestone, then you are like, I mean, yeah, no, the kissing other, at the feet. The other part of the story was how I bought mine for seven hundred dollars. <laughs> right, just seven hundred dollar car. All right, eight zero three zero five fifty one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. I got Matthew Barry's email. Matthew Barry Fantasy Life um, on Gabe Davis. He had a he had a blurb in his 
email about Gabe Davis. And I want to I wanted to get to that and read that. Because I kind of broke down my thoughts on the Gabe Davis thing, which is, you know, he's been a, a success story. Gabe Davis is a success story that the nature of the NFL and the salary cap is you just can't keep that guy that's been a success story for you if you're the Bills. So anyway, Matthew Barry wrote this. Davis was named along multiple strong defensive starters who should have good markets that Buffalo might have trouble matching. Talking about like Daquan Jones and some of their other defensive linemen that might go somewhere and get some money. Gabe Davis should have a good market. And he writes... His big-time postseason performances have undoubtedly been a fun time. He's a big target who would provide a boost to most offensive wide receiver rooms, at least in the red zone and blocking departments. Still, the most recent version of him left a lot to be desired, especially when considering he was receiving top-tier quarterback play from Josh Allen in a largely pass-happy offense, dying to find a consistent number 2 option alongside Stephon Diggs. And then he breaks down some of the numbers on Davis. Yards per route run, he was 56th in the NFL. Hmm. Targets per route run, 71st in the NFL. ESPN receiver rating, they rated him the 81st best receiver in football. And Pro Football Focus gave him the 54th best receiver in football. And he goes Hmm. on to say, contract projections for Davis from Pro Football Focus. Mm -hmm. Pro Football Focus projects... One year, twelve million. One year, the Davis will get one year, twelve million. And he goes on to say, it would be a, wow. it'd be a choice, all caps choice. There's like some slang here, which you say like, wow, that's a choice. Yeah. If someone decides to hand him a boomer bust guy, what Alan Lazard got, which is four years and forty four with the Jets, right? And I think that's worth noting that. If he's only going to get one year, does that make it more likely he comes back to the Bills to try and prove it again? Well, I don't know, because isn't the way those usually work? If one-year deal, a cap hit on a one-year deal is going to be higher for them this year than a long-term deal. Unless you add void years. Yeah, right. But, but, no, to, right. but to me, that doesn't... It's not, But it's not the financial commitment you thought you were making to him. Right. This is why... At all. And it would be... Haven't we kind of said this in past drafts where... What you'd like to have is Davis and a rookie, because I still have Davis if I need him, Mm -hmm. if the rookie isn't ready to perform right away or whatever, but i got to have that rookie ready to go because I'm not keeping Davis forever. You would basically be reversing the clock on that a little bit. But $12 is still a a healthy number, but, man, a one-year deal? The Lazard deal spooking teams does kind of make sense as you listen to it, because it it's similar enough. And you've made this point about the draft class and how many other free agents there are. How unlikely is it that Davis could get to that? Because as that's laid out, you think about how many other options teams are going to have. If you're looking for a number two receiver or a number three receiver as a team this year, how many better ideas are there out there than Gabe Davis? Are there 20? Yes. Does one year twelve million get you back to thinking like okay maybe that makes sense? Not for, for the, the bills, bills but for somebody because free agency happens before the draft. Of course, we know that. I wonder if Davis has to wait until after, after the one of those a- a- guys. Yeah, one of the guys who signs yeah. after the draft because if it's going to be 
I guess it all depends on how much money he wants to wait and see if it's out there. Let's say it's pretty much by the way the Beckham contract. Right. Beckham got one year, fifteen million right. last year. So let's and when did Beckham sign? He signed late, I think, didn't he? Because wasn't it around when Lamar he signed on uh, April tenth? Okay, but before the draft. Before the draft. Late, but before the draft. Yeah. The thing I wonder about Davis is, all right, I'm Team X. Like, hey, I'm interested. Would love to have you in our room. I've got seven million for you. And Davis thinks, and his agent thinks, let's wait. Post draft, somebody won't get the guy they wanted, and they're going to need somebody else in their receiver room. They're going to want somebody. And that now there's three teams that didn't come out of the draft getting the receiver that they wanted, and they need immediate impact. And that's where you come in. Leonard Floyd, right? Leonard Floyd with the Bills, one year, nine million dollars. Mm-hmm. Or Melvin Ingram does this every year, right? Where he just signs on as a hired gun defensive player. Mm-hmm. Maybe Davis, maybe he gets his four-year deal, or maybe he has to wait and find out. Well, I got to wait till after the draft. My numbers got to come down. I got to prove it somewhere. And that's where Brandon Bean leaving the door open. I mean, it obviously makes sense. Poyer came back on no, very very little money. Yeah, I do think this is different because the Bills have less space. But one year, twelve million is what Pro Football Focus puts him at. And Count Matthew Barry is one that is very skeptical about the idea of a team committing four years to him. I think if I'm Davis too, like, should he be hesitant to take a one year deal even if the money is higher? Because if he can find the multi year deal where, okay, that money did not turn out to be what I was hoping, eight million on a three or a four year deal. But be- like a, the Beckham contract was what? Beckham's trying to rebuild his value, right? In a way, like, so that's not all the way true with him, I guess. So there are a lot of prove it deals, though, over time. Juju with the, with the Chiefs, uh, two years ago, for instance, where I'm going to go link up with this top quarterback, this top offense, and I'm going to go inflate my value so that a team's going to give me the big long-term extension. Davis already had that role. How much better is it going to look anywhere else? Like, he might think, I said Josh Allen. What am I going to go do? Sign a one-year deal with who? Sam Howell. Right. And then <laughs> now I'm going to be the $15 million receiver at a four-year deal that I want to be? Like, I just, for him, I wonder what he would accept because I would feel like you've already had your chance to, to show your worth. You've already been in pretty much the perfect scenario. You had Josh Allen, and you were on the field every play for the last two years. And you had that Stephon you were Diggs, an elite receiver, on the other side the yeah, entire time. Yeah, attention away. Like, I just don't know how he would view a one-year deal anywhere. I, I, mean, I guess it could be all that's available to him. I don't know. I think I don't want to go all the way to spot track is going to be more close to what actually happens. But I might want to predict he's going to f- he'll take a long-term deal over that short-term deal if he can get it. Which I think, I think both those should take the bills out of it. I just hope they don't get to a place where they're coming back to him and saying, "Well, we thought you know six or seven million dollars was okay, a good well, idea." Spot Trek puts his value at four years, fifty-four million. That's a massive difference. Make the case for a team doing that. Oh man, I don't, I don't, who, who I, I don't even, no, I don't even have to ask the question. Who am I? I does anybody in the world does it make sense for? Four years, $54 million. I mean, when does that, you know, let, let's look at it. When does that work? That's basically the Alan Lazard contract last year. It's more. I mean, Lazard. That was yeah. four years, $44 million. 
last year yep. for Lazard. Other the guys Jets totally regret that. He was a healthy scratch by the end of the year. I mean, he's a Rodgers guy. There were other reasons. Um, Allen Robinson, two years ago, he signed a three-year, $46 million deal. He was off the team the next year for the Rams. Mike Williams, three years, $60 million. Michael Gallup, five years, 57. These are spot track comps. Age when signed for all those guys was like 25, 26. Okay. And Davis will be 20. He's 24 now. He'll be 25 when he signs that deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know who the team is that that makes any sense for. And there are so many better ideas. Right, and not to say he's not good and or serviceable. It's just you can just get so much cheaper than that. George in Buffalo is next up. Hey, George, good morning. You know, we talked about nightmares with the Chiefs. What what the ultimate nightmare would be if Davis goes to the Chiefs to play? I I wouldn't call it would be weird. Would, would it, it be a nightmare? No, I th- don't think so. Am, am, I, am I supposed to be afraid of him on the Chiefs? Like, yeah, what am I? I, I? I talked about this. You left yesterday at eight at eight thirty. I talked about yeah. this because somebody wrote in and said, "How about Davis on the Chiefs? Would we be upset? Like, why would I be upset about it?" No, it'd be weird, but. I wouldn't be upset about I'd it. I'd be much more upset with the Chiefs getting Michael Pittman or Mike Evans <laughs> or T. T. Or oh, T. Higgins. I guess T. Higgins is going to get franchise tagged. It sounds. Oh, like. I, is that right? I didn't there see was that a yet. report about that yesterday. Um, that they they'll they'll tag him if they can't extend him. Um, yeah, I don't I don't I don't mind it. I just I just said it like I think there's 20 better ideas. If I'll I'll say this, I would sign up right now. You you told me. The Chiefs signed Gabe Davis four years, $54 million. That might be my favorite thing to happen <laughs> in the entire offseason. Well, they have a lot of space, and you would think they would use it in other ways. Cause if, right, if that, but if that was how they were going to use it yeah. on I, Gabe Davis, like, it, good luck. He's, how different is he than, well, maybe he's better than Marquez, uh, Valdez Scantling, but they're similar enough players statistically. All this ends up sounding like, and I don't mean it to sound like this, like, wow, you guys are really down on Davis. No, this is, it's value season. That's what this whole thing is about. It's this value is, season, this but is, also how this much... is how am I going to use my space? How am I going to use my assets? How am I going to when? Let's get right down to the wide receiver train. Hey, should the Bills take the fifth best receiver or trade up for the first best? The answer is take the fifth best. They should not trade up for Marvin Harrison Jr. No way. They should not trade up for Malik Neighbors. Well, you could have the fifth best and the ninth best, maybe. Yes, <laughs> the fifth right. best and the ninth best, and two other picks because they should not trade a future first to move up to seventh overall. No way. It is value season, and not all these teams are approaching it with the same cupboard of draft picks, with the same cap space, and where a lot of these teams live, especially for the Bills. Like, Davis is a terrible idea for four years, $54 million from the Bills. And there aren't that many oh, teams. Man. Right, and there's not many teams where there, that is a good idea. So that's, that's the spot he's, he finds himself in. 803-0550 and one We'll see about one year 12 if that's, you know. The kind of thing that ultimately ends up being. And by the way, it was Paul Denner from The Athletic who reported that the Bengals, if they can't work out a long-term deal, are expected to use the franchise tag for, okay. T-, for T. Higgins. Which I have believed the entire time. That they would just tag him? That, or they, they wouldn't let him They would get away. not let him leave yet. You know, what, what are you going to do when you have to pay Burrow and Chase and Higgins? The answer is you're going to pay Higgins at least for one year. I mean, Chase isn't making big money yet, right? He's close. Uh, no, not yet. He's close, but not yet. So yeah. keep the band together for one more year, and they'll probably draft one. <laughs> right? Right, because they'll lose Boyd, but yeah. they can go Higgins, Ch- Higgins chasing a rookie. 
803-0550 and 1-888-550-2550. Jeremy and Joe with you. You can give us a call if you're on hold. Stick with us. Dennis, we'll get to your call on the other side as uh, we roll through this Valentine's Day. We should we should exchange sweet nothings. We'll do that at some point. Josh, did you bring us chocolates? There's got to be some candy. Uh, the, the vending machine out there. I got gotcha. you. There's we options. Have, we have our chocolate Stanley Cup in here still. But what? No, that that can't. We that, can't nope, open that until nope, the Sabres win it. I was going to say. How long has that been in there? It's, That's it, been well, in there. It expired in 2018. Should, I should ask our buddy uh, Ryan Gates how long it's been in there because he was producing the afternoon show the last time that, when that was put in there. Is that thing cursing us? Is that the curse right there? The chocolate Stanley that Cup. That chocolate Stanley Cup. Is that as old as the drought? If it is, we need to get we need to dispose of it today. Does chocolate expire? Got to. Has to. What's the uh, yeah? What's the expiration date on that box? <laughs> it says 01-2018, so January of twenty eighteen. I'm assuming, or okay. that's when it was packaged. I don't know. It doesn't say expiration date or okay. anything like that, or sell by date. We're it, coming up on ten years since the tank season. I don't know. It's got the old Coyotes logo in it. <laughs> and I'm looking at some of the logos all, in the back. Okay. Show me a Thrasher's logo on yeah. there, and I will eat that Stanley Cup right now. <laughs> all right, we'll get a break in 803-0550. Your calls and uh, whatever else we get to here on WGR. Be caller five right now to win a pair of tickets. See Dirks Bentley at Darien Lake on July 20th. Tickets are courtesy of Live Nation. So one thing I wanted to play, maybe you missed it, maybe you were at a party watching the game, maybe you're listening on the radio, mm-hmm. the game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. There's been some criticism of Tony Romo and how he did it, Yep, how the game-winning touchdown happened. So I thought, real quick exercise, we will play this highlight because, you know, I get it. Everybody that does anything is going to get criticized. There mm-hmm. are haters, right? But, Joe, you have not heard this. You were at a party, so, you know, yep. people react, blah, blah. I saw that there was criticism, but, right, I haven't actually heard okay. what he did. Let's play the highlight and decide, was it worthy of criticism? Is, is Tony Romo here in the wrong for how he acted as the color analyst on the game-winning overtime Super Bowl touchdown to win the Chiefs a back-to-back Super Bowl? Take it away, Nance and Romo. Mahomes swings it. It's Hartman, jackpot, Kansas City. And this was the Andy Reid special. This was the Andy Reid special. We talked about he was saving all day. He's going to fake a motion to go across. And at that moment, he turns and goes back. Hartman, who they didn't have, right? And they go get Hartman and bring him back. And the game-winning drive of Mahomes' career, he's been waiting for. He's won Super Bowls, but he's never had it in an overtime he is the best. He is the standard. When Michael Jordan wins it again, that is exactly what not to do. Yeah, I didn't love that. All of that is fair. Thirty seconds later, or it, it is exactly like what not, not to do, or he, like on a touchdown in week sixteen. Right. Yep. Yeah, dude. Let let the moment breathe a little bit. That's right. It. Like. A lot of announcers, play-by-play, play, they'll get a lot of credit for letting it breathe like that, and that is exactly what not to do. Is he talking while Nance is like calling the play in the first place also? I'm, I hear his voice as Nance is trying to call the play. I don't know what he's saying there. And Nance, by the no, way... No, he's saying he's setting for the Super Bowl. 
But, like, he's interrupting Nance to say that. And that was another criticism I saw where... At the, at the beginning? He said this is for the Super Bowl, well, like, mi- six times. He said it a million times. Yeah, he said I, for the Super Bowl on, like, a second and four. Right. Yeah, I yeah. think the biggest crime there, though, is you, give it 30 seconds. Dude. Well, this is... Or tw- I mean, anything. And this is also Jim Nance, who... I mean, Jim Nance has some iconic calls. Maybe not as famous as Do You Believe in Miracles, but, you know, his golf calls, a win for the ages, and... College, for, there's college basketball yeah. calls, I'm sure, for And him. here he yeah. has jackpot, which, of course, he prepared for the Super Bowl in Vegas. Like, if there's ever a moment, jackpot, Kansas City... That's a call that Jim is ready to rock. And what happened? Tony Romo walked all over it. Yeah. So I I did say, like, I'm not fully critical of everything Romo did. I thought he was really, really good in the fourth quarter and in overtime on strategy and on telling us what to expect from Steve Spagnuolo and how the Chiefs were going to approach this. I thought he was very, very good on that stuff. But right there, if anybody ever pulls him in and say, like, hey, if you want to be one of the best at this, Mm-hmm. All you have to do there is not talk. That's it. Just don't say anything. And then when Nance is ready, they'll show the replay, and you can say everything you just said. Right. Everything's the same. All the same points. You just have to wait 30 seconds. So And he waited like three seconds. Yes, it was all over it. I wonder it, I wonder how Nance feels about that, because there have been stuff about Romo, right? Like CBS executives having that intervention with him last year that was talked about in the media. Um, not preparing or whatnot. There have been clips of Nance looking frustrated with him in other moments during broadcasts. So I'd wonder what Nance thinks about it because that's the dude you've got to make sure you don't, you yeah. know, that, that you're the partner with. Eight oh three oh five fifty. Open segment. When we get back, we're going to talk some bills too. Uh, Sabers won seven to nothing. Great night at the arena for the Sabers. But when we get back, I got to get to the results of this Twitter poll. This poll is going to hit some people and they're going to ask themselves what on earth is happening. But the question is, do you think the Bills have reason to look in the mirror and conclude that a championship run in 2024 is unrealistic? That's a question I was asked in the context of what to do with digs. So I'd like to talk about that and get some calls. Dennis, anybody else jumping on board? 803-0550, we'll do it. Why 20% of Bills fans are out of their minds next. Good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing? Good morning, folks. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning, guys. Big fan of the show. It's Jeremy White and Joe DiBiase. Good morning, Jeremy and Joe. Hello there. Hey, guys. Love the show. Big fans. Over probably 20 years. Hey, guys. How you doing today? Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, how you doing? Call or text WGR at 803-0550 or post on X at WGR 550 and get connected to Jeremy and Joe now. Good morning, Jeremy and Joe. It's nice outside. We're getting some colder weather on the way this week, but still not that cold mm-hmm. as, uh, you know, the winter that almost never was like two storms, but high today of uh, 31 from the 30s. Good stretch of the next 10 days. Anyway, happy Valentine's to everybody out there. Happy Valentine's Day. I was just perusing the 10 most romantic comedy speeches, or not romantic comedy, romantic speeches. Like, what, what's the what's the, the number one, the, the iconic romantic speech in a movie? And The Notebook came up as one of the top. Yeah, yeah. Jerry Maguire came up in there. Jerry Maguire came up? Oh, yeah. You had me at hello, that whole 
I'm, I'm gonna have to do a rewatch of that. Yeah, did it one time in a couple years. You're doing that. I'm trying to come up with uh, five Buffalo athletes that connote Valentine's Day. Okay, it's tougher than you think. How so? So far, Bobby Hart. Oh, Eric Flowers. Love this. Mike Love. Yes. Isaac Roseanne. I'm running out of ideas. You're doing. You're doing work. You're good. It's good work. Deontay Harty. I I thought of some in that other sports like uh, Fred Couples is Bob, good. Bobby Valentine. Bobby Bobby Valentine. Wow, that was was right sitting right there the whole time. All right. I'm working on it. Send them in if you got them. At Sneaky Joe Sports, Buffalo athletes that connote Valentine's, Valentine's Day in some way, shape, or form. Have uh, you ever had someone with the name Chocolate? Not that I can think of. And with the nickname, like what White Chocolate was a Jason Williams in the NBA. Can I get something along those lines? I, I like might have tapped it out. I might have gone. Honey, there might only be five. Honey, sweet. Honey. Is there a sweet? Somebody sweet? Yeah. All right. We'll work on that. Okay, so. Yesterday, we'll get to this this Twitter poll I've got up. We've got some calls to catch up on, so we'll do that. Okay, I, 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 I need help here. Understanding the mindset that some Bills fans have right now. The question it was asked to me about, they should, they, should, they should trade Diggs, they should cut Diggs, they should eat $31 million in cap so they have a free cap next year because they take all the cap hit and they just move on. And the question asked to me in this online back and forth on Twitter, and sometimes you argue with people, you get topics out of it. Here it is. Do you think the Bills have reason to look in the mirror and conclude that a 2024 championship run is unrealistic? Should the Bills look at themselves this year and say, I mean, really, we probably shouldn't consider ourselves contenders. Should the Bills do that? My answer to that is, no. The argument is what? That you're don't pretend you're not going to win it no matter what. Clear the decks so that you can go what? Guns ho in 2025. Which would be what? That that's they want to cut digs to do that? You want to cut Vaughn to do that? Like eat all that money? I, that seems nuts to me. You you're, want to, you're you're punting on You're tanking a year of Allen's career. And his prime, pretty much. I mean, they'd still be listen good. I, but I am, I am the I drive a tank over here. Yeah, when you're going to fi- in the corner yeah. over there. It's when a you're going to finish but... in twenty eighth, yeah, go ahead and finish in thirtieth. When you're going to finish, what are the Bills going to finish next year? Twelve and five. Right. They should. They should just say like, oh, it's not going to be our year. There, there are people that think that they should ditch digs because they should. Acknowledge that they don't have a chance this year. This right. is this is where the salary cap conversation has gotten to. You're out we're out over our skis here. So Emmett wrote in, explain how. I'm willing to listen. How do you overcome the fifty something mil over the cap and all the players from last year's team with expired contracts? It's more than a couple restructures. Will you just restructure a few? And then you draft a bunch of players and you sign some cheap guys and you let the second best quarterback carry you like he has been for multiple seasons. Who are they saying goodbye to that's going to be significant? Hyden Poyer. Yep. Maybe Daquan Jones. Yep. 
Maybe they're going to save money by cutting Trey White, but they have their starting corners in Douglas and Benford. Yeah, they're good. They're good. And, you know, I don't I don't have all the wide receiver train stuff just to be funny. Do you know how good this offense will get if they have an awesome number two receiver? One oh, they he, would be they, – the offense would be pretty much – perfectly set up like I don't know what else you would want to add to it I mean you if Diggs is your number one and you you finally got your Pro Bowl running back that ever that the, the reporters have wanted forever and your line is built out like what else do they need offensively and that's to me that's the formula for this year they invested in their offense last year in Torrance and Kincaid and they got some good pieces there if they draft a receiver and they hit it in the first round and whether it's Troy Franklin or Brian Thomas Jr. Or whoever a receiver that can contribute mm-hmm. This should be the year where they – should they acknowledge that maybe they can't put together the perfect defense? Yeah, they probably can't. This should be the year where they say, well, let's give Josh everything we possibly can and score 35 a week. That'll be the goal. This will be the year where, Sean, your perfect defense, that is everybody doing their 111th, it's going to have some holes. You're going to have holes. we got to get younger. we got to get cheaper. Who knows what happens with Vaughn? Trey White might be gone off the team. Your entire backbone of your secondary is going to be turned over, but we're going to have to find a way to deal with it, coach him mm-hmm. up, and go. The idea that the Bills should approach 2024 like they do not have a chance, I'm sorry. How could you make that case? Who would do that? The Chiefs, by the way, were the team that traded a receiver, and people thought, like, oh, well, you – this is going to be a little bit of a retool slash rebuild. And what do they do? They drafted amazing players and won two consecutive Super Bowls. Right. I'm not telling right, you. They didn't cut Tyreek Hill. No. They, 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 they traded, traded him, him to restock And they their, got assets, yeah. which, of course, the Bills can't do. They can't trade him and get the assets that the Chiefs got for Tyreek no. Hill. Nope. And I'm not telling you you should expect it. I'm not telling you to be optimistic. This This question isn't, do you think the Bills will win the Super Bowl? It's how should they operate? Should they operate like they can't win it was the question. And if you say yes, they should operate like they can't realistically win it. I don't understand what I, I'm speechless. Who, who, how, how would you make that claim? I don't even think it would be true if they did what the guy's saying they would do. If they, if they did that, if they caught Stefan Diggs tomorrow, couldn't they still win the Super Bowl? You'd need to hit on the, you need to hit on the first round rookie receiver like he'd need to be Justin Jefferson maybe out of the gates but I, there's a sentiment that if Josh Allen's your quarterback you always have a chance so I, it would not help your case but I don't think there's any world no matter what they did they don't have a, a puncher's chance at the least and that's if they were to pick pieces off the roster the way they're currently constructed yeah I don't I don't know how you would arrive at that let's. Like, cause what what's what's the guy want to do? He wants to, he wants to cut Von Diggs, Trey White, whoever, and have eighty million dollars more to spend the next off season, because that's the year where now I've got the money to go sign the year that year's Michael Pittman. Maybe I can go get Brandon Ayuk now, because now I have money to do something like that. Is that is that what the guy wants? But you're trading a year to do that. Yes, and that's if you can do all that. By the way, right? You're trading a year. To have flexibility, and while well, you hope those guys are available, you hope those guys become because it's not every year that these elite receivers are just available to you. Al Lazard was the highest paid receiver in last year's free agent class, so I don't know. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. That is not even a retool year. That's a blow up. 
Yeah. That's a blow up. It's blow it up. Blow it up. Have Josh right. play with a skeleton squad for a year and then spend money the following year? I guess. I guess that's the uh, that's it, the move. Or that's the idea. I I I'm I'm I'm, spe- I'm speechless. Mainly it all comes down to the dig stuff, which I can't you've said this before and we'll say it. Someone come up with a digs trade that makes sense for the Bills. You you can't yep. you can't do it. Yep. Haven't seen one. You the, the cl- we saw one site say they should trade him for Brian Burns of the Carolina Panthers. And I don't think that's realistic. I don't think you're getting Brian Burns and there are cap repercussions to that deal that aren't figured out in the hypothetical either. And so that's the only one I've really seen and even that one doesn't really work. Show me the dig trade. That works. I'll listen to if you can find me a trade where hey they get a first round pick, and but they no get one, this but, and this. but no one thinks that that would happen. No, nobody thinks like it you would, can. Yeah, you, exactly. You can show me what about if the Colts gave you a first because they're not sure if they're going to sign Michael Pittman. The answer is they would just sign Michael Pittman. Well, because in theory, I I don't mind the idea of trying what the Chiefs did. Of hey, we're going to trade Tyree Kill off the roster. We're going to get all of this stuff back, and that's how we're going to replenish. We're going to go young. We're going to go cheaper, and we're going to. They missed on their receiver picks, but they tried. Right? They spent a third round pick to get Kadarius Tony. They spent a second round pick on Sky Moore and Rashi Rice. Like they paid Juju Smith Schuster in a one year deal. Like they tried to do it. They just have pretty much failed at that position. But if you wanted to come to me and say, okay. Without the cap stuff, you trade Diggs, you're going to get your first-round pick, you're going to get a second-round pick on top of that. Maybe you get this young player that's struggling a little bit. And but we know you're not going to go young and cheap. But you're not getting any of that for but Diggs. You're, exactly. You're and not getting any of that because they decided to extend him. He wanted to be extended, too, so yeah. they agreed to be extended, and they basically locked themselves into each other, which is fine, by the way. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Right. But if you wanted Diggs to be traded then anyone that wanted Diggs to be traded should have been criticizing the extension that they made two years ago. Because that was the day that all of this became impossible. We'll get some calls in. 803-0550. Dennis in Lockport has been waiting. Hey, Dennis, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Love the show. Hey, I agree with you guys on the, on what the Bills should do for the Super Bowl. Absolutely. I think that would be foolish. Um, my thing what I, what I don't agree with you guys on, and I know you guys are high on Gabe Davis, but Watching this the last few years, there is also a lot of inconsistencies and plays that he should make, especially when you guys kind of compared that $15 million Beckham got compared to a Davis. Beckham, if that would have been Beckham in the Philadelphia game, he would have found a way to get that ball and not turn the wrong way or made the adjustment. Davis is many times have been caught off where, you know, he doesn't make the adjustment. And I just don't see that money for him. I see like maybe a Tyler Boyd or a Pittman. Tyler Boyd coming out of Cincinnati, he's stuck be- behind Higgins and um, and and Chase here, so he's not going to get as much playing time. But he's solid. He's and he's a guy you can get for six, seven, maybe eight million dollars less than you're going to pay for Gabe Davis, and he's probably a lot more consistent. Uh, Pittman definitely, I'd love to see there, but. I just don't see Gabe getting that. You know, he's had four years to really shine. And I think, you know, looking at uh, what we've got also with some back, uh, some other receivers on the team already, you know, there could be some emergencies. you got uh, Shakir this year was our kind of our guy who emerged. I'd still like to see Andy Isabella, see what he could do. Uh, some of the film on that guy is amazing. And if you could get him in, he could be that type of guy who can help release Diggs off because – 
he could be that guy who could pop in an area that can make that go-to catch. And um, if you look how Kansas City did, they didn't throw a lot of long balls. They threw a lot of slot passes here and there that got them down the field in a really quick uh, moment and gets them their score, and, and, and that's how they play. And maybe that's something the Bills should look at. And then, like you guys said, spend some money on the defense, uh, shoring that up. You know, get a couple players that could help Josh out and keep him going. But other than that, you know, don't don't break the bank. I think we got a solid team. And also grab some guys out of maybe the draft and see what we got there. I'll leave you guys uh, and, and listen for your response. Thanks, Dennis. That's, a, that's the first time anyone's ever accused us of being high on Davis. I was, I was we definitely do not to... think the Bills should bring back Gabe Davis. I, I do think he has a spot in the league as a – serviceable role player, but neither one of us wants them to bring back Davis. And I have absolutely no – there's no receiver on this roster outside of Shakir that I'm thinking about for the future. Andy Isabella is not one of them. I thought you were going to say Justin Shorter, who's a fifth-round pick from last year. Right. No. No. They, they, need to, they need to go in. They need to get top-tier guys. Boyd is an interesting name. Boyd's been one of the best slot receivers in football for a long time. Yeah. Spotrick puts him at less than $9 million a year. Problem is his age. Yeah, he's well, reason. He's twenty nine. Right? Yep, he's twenty nine. Well, not as old as I thought. Pro- the problem is the Bills don't need a slot receiver. They need an outside receiver. I mean, Shakir. Right. Shakir was great. And Boyd is one of those slot receivers that does have the capability to go inside and outside. But if you're just sticking him on the outside, like I feel, like, I feel it. like you're kind of losing all the value of what he is in the first place. Yeah. Boyd. Boyd has been. I mean, I, I, I've wanted the Bills to target a Boyd. T- Tyler Lockett style player for like three years. They yeah. finally find their answer on the slot in Shakir and also Kincaid to some degree. They just they need a boundary receiver. It's they need a boundary that. receiver in part two because they need speed on offense. And like Boyd's not answering that question. He's a fine player. He, if he goes to the right spot, I'll draft him in fantasy all summer. Um, but yeah, like last year he played seventy seven percent of his slots in the snap. That was the second most in football. So. Maybe even the idea that he is a guy that can bounce inside and outside. Well, no, I don't know. You know, it's, it would be hard for him to get that opportunity because Chase and Higgins are there. But either way, he, he's a slot guy. I just, I don't know. And right, Davis, in terms of like wanting to bring him back, I don't know if there's an idea I've liked less that I've talked about in, in recent years than any contract that brings back Gabe Davis. I think they can do better. They should do better. They need a more burner style of receiver. I mean, every fiber of me wants to see them do something different than Gabe Davis at that position this year. Ian Harditz had this yesterday. The, the, what teams have invested in the receiver position? Like the Bills have earned where they are. And looking at every team in the league, he did from 2019 to 2023, how many picks have you spent on quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end, O-line, D-line, linebacker, corner, kicker, all that, right? In the first mm-hmm. three rounds. There are only two teams that have spent zero first, second, and third round picks on, run, on on receivers in the NFL in that span, the Bills and the Bucks. Now, the Bills did trade one for Diggs. So, mm-hmm. technically, they spent one first round pick on a receiver. Mm-hmm. But they spent it on a receiver that didn't give them the four years and the fifth year option. Every other team in the league, Arizona, drafting receivers, Arizona three times, Atlanta once. Baltimore has spent five first, second, and third round picks on receivers, which is here you have the Ravens. The Ravens run it all the time, and they have spent five first, second, and third round picks on receivers. The Bills pass it all the time and have spent three picks on running backs. No other team from 2019 to 2023 has spent three picks on running backs. The Bills are the only team in the NFL to spend three 
first, second, and third round picks on running backs in that four-year stretch. The only team. Hate that. If you just went back and undid the running back draft picks, all due respect to James Cook, undo Zach Moss and just take a receiver. Undo Devin Singletary. Have I mean, I guess it was Frank Gore at the time. They spent so much on running back. Three running backs and zero wide receivers in a four-year stretch of your first three rounds of the draft. Mm-hmm. That can never happen again for this team. You are punting on so much value. A running back, here's another way to say it. We, we do this all the time with a running back draft pick, right? You never want a second contract for a running back. You never do. Nope. You don't even want the fifth-year option. It's too expensive. So by spending a first, second, and third-round pick on a running back, which is only a first-rounder for the fifth-round option, a second and third-round pick on a running back, the best-case scenario is that guy plays for you for four years, and then you're smart enough to not pay him. Mm -hmm. Spend it on a receiver, you sign him to a new contract in year three. Right. For three more years. Right. If you hit on the second-round receiver, you're talking about, hopefully, a 10-year relationship. You're talking about A.J. Brown. Yeah. You're talking about Michael Pittman. You're talking about Terry McLaurin. And your second-round running back is... But, well, they draft, they draft it, James Cook. And, okay, so into year two. Will we, will we say it's going well? It's going he's well. He's in the Pro Bowl? He's, it's going well, right? He's got two more years. Yeah, and then they, and they, can't, they can't pay him. All right, so you're already halfway through the experience. And you got very little value out of it in terms of like, cap stuff. Right. So... I don't know how we got to that. Anyway, it was just jarring to see the Bills with a zero on first, second, and third round picks on receivers other than the Diggs pick, which, again, is like, it's a nice play. Not upset about that. But you did, by trading it, lose the opportunity to get really great value on that. So when someone says, like, how are they going to be good when their cap is so bad, start hitting on picks. That's the way to do it. 803-0550. We'll get more calls in if you want to join us. 803-0550-1888-550-2550 to join us on Valentine's Day. We're, we're, we're spreading well, what right, wide receiver love today. Zach Redmond, someone posted. Who's put, that? To put in. Sabre defenseman from the tank, I guess. Oh, Red being Red. Valentine's Day? Mike Card also mentioned. <laughs> Send him in. Um, Mike Card. <laughs> this is not going to be an easy I'm gonna, one. I'm going to think of more. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get some. I don't know how many more there are to get. The wide receiver train choo choo chooses you. <laughs> That's what we need. Valentine card wide receiver train Valentine cards. I choo choo choose you. Yep. All right, Jeremy and Joe, more of your calls on the other side on WGR. Happy Valentine's Day. Are there any good Valentine's Day themed movies? The movie Valentine's Day with like 800 that's, of the biggest actors you've ever yeah, seen? Yeah, that's one of those movies, right, where it's just a list of actors. Pretty much. I don't think I know this movie. I don't think you need to. <laughs> Fair enough. Jeremy and Joe, Josh Schmidt producing. <laughs> I always like just run to Rotten Tomatoes. See, like, is my opinion of a movie representative of what like a lot of other people think? This one, I'm like, you don't need to see it. 18% is a pretty rare mark to hit. That's pretty low, yeah. 18% is pretty tough. But it's know. a crazy cast. Like, you have Taylor Swift, Ed, Bradley Cooper, that's Anne right. Hathaway. Taylor Swift is, I think this is like her only movie where she plays like a real role that she was in. So, yeah, I guess if you if you liked, if you you love Taylor that much, then you can uh, you can check it out. 803-0550. Twitter poll. In a conversation that came up, do you think the Bills have reason to look in the mirror and conclude a 2024 championship is 
unrealistic. 20% voting, yes. And I've come to the decision here, trying to understand 20%, that at least half of those voting, yes, a championship is unrealistic in 2024, are the coach can't win one. Right? It has it has that, to be. That's got to be. Yeah, it's got to be. Because it. the roster, while going through changes, isn't going to go through the kind of changes well, that make them not a contender or a competitive team that can compete with the Chiefs. They just did compete with the Chiefs. Could you also answer that because you think that the Diggs decline is real? Again, the question is, should the Bills operate that way? Not do then, you right, think. No, that's right. Should yeah. the Bills operate then, then no. that way? Then no. Right, should the Bills operate like their head coach can't win the Super Bowl? Which, you might think they should, <laughs> but the reality is they're not going to do that. But what would that even mean? Like, if they believe their coach can't win a Super Bowl, then what? Are, like, what's what's what do you mean? What's the next move? I mean, yeah, the next move fire is firing your head coach. Right. This gets to NHL trade deadline buy or buy or sell season. If your team thinks we can't make the playoffs, then they sell. That's right. how the team operates. You might think they can make it, and they make you mad. You might think they can't make it, and they make an addition. So anyway, how should the team operate? Tom in Rochester's next up on Valentine's Day. Hey, Tom. Hi, guys. A um, couple points. I'll just comment real quick on what you're just talking about. Not only do I think the Bills are going to make the playoffs next year, I think they're going to win it. And I'm not an optimist. I'm a realist. And I, I mean, McDermott didn't play linebacker in the game against Kent City. And he didn't miss a 45-yard field goal. Anyways, but I I don't – here's what it, – it, it, it gets me really emotional and, and, like, frustrated when folks call up and they talk about these scenarios. And I, I wonder, do they have any inclination of the itemized uh, – the line items of the of the salary cap, right? So, of the bill salary cap. We're, we're $50 million <laughs> – over the salary cap, and somebody's talking about going to get Tyler Boyd, and I'm sitting there going, "Oh, first you got to figure out how you're going to get 50 million dollars off the cap," and then people are talking about get rid of Diggs. I'm like, "Okay, so you're going to save how much if you get rid of Diggs?" And oh, by the way, then you're going to have to sign somebody else for how much? And oh, by the way, the guy you're going to sign is 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 what you save on Diggs and the amount of money you give this new guy. Is he going to be as good as Diggs? No, he's not. And Miller, I mean, you're, you're losing your, you're losing Epinesa. You don't save anything getting rid of Miller. I mean, in theory, it would be great to get rid of Miller and Diggs, but you don't save any money, and you got to, you got to, you got to get fifty million dollars. And I'm like, unless you go, and oh, oh by the way, Jeremy, I'm a hundred percent with you. You have got to. I don't know how many picks you have to spend on wide out in this draft, but for sure the first. And I don't even know what, 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 what other picks you can maybe trade. To get to get there, but I I, I wonder if people un, just understand that we're fifty million dollars over the cap, and getting it down is going to be extremely difficult based on how much dead money each of the each of our high p- p- paid players get. And other than restructuring Allen, which I, how much money? Is, I, I, I have no idea. They can they can restructure get. Allen and they can save twenty two million. It's yeah, a big chunk. Yeah. Right. right. So so now you got to go say all right. I got. I unfortunately I hate to get rid of White, but but I I save money if I get rid of White. Yep. Right. Or so I got to say, hey, White, you got to take a pay cut because I save money if I don't cut you. And then you 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 got Morse, who's some who's some money there. You got. And oh, by the way, where are you getting a center? And then you got Poyer, and oh, who's who's some money if you if you get rid of him. But now you got to find two two safeties, 
And then you got, um, I don't know who the other, who the other big one is that, that is a potential for saving money. I don't know off the top of my head, but I'm wondering if these guys are calling up saying, hey, I want Andy Isabella. Andy Isabella. Andy Isabella, didn't even, he wasn't even active. He just got cut by another team. <laughs> and we're talking about how he's going to be a great, a, 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 a bona fide wide receiver. And I'm like, where are Buffalo, where are Buffalo fans' brains? I mean, are they even in any reality? You have got, this is all a salary cap game. It's a salary cap game. And unless you find that $50 million, you can forget about well, Sutton Miller. Or, okay, I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. you're good. Thanks, Tom. To your point, Joe Biscalia wrote at The Athletic and broke down all the ways the Bills can save a lot of money. And, I mean, Joe does great work. He's not, all I was going to say is, like, he's not the Bills capologist. Mm-hmm. And he can write a piece here. It's like, here's the 15 steps, and the Bills go from being 50 over to having somewhere between 10 and 20 in space and being relatively healthy in 2025. Like, the Bills are in a spot where, It'll probably be a lean year in free agency, but they can restructure some guys, decide not to restructure others. They can extend guys like Taron Johnson. Dawkins. You could extend Dawkins. You could extend... Uh, Rasul Douglas. Thank Rasul you. Douglas. Du- that's who I was trying to get to. Douglas. Like Extensions mean cap relief. Yeah. So... They'll, they'll get there also. Yeah, of course. By the way, the 50, like they'll get to the 50 because they have to. They I don't can, even know what the alternative and, is. And the way that Bean probably should look at it is, all right, I can't spend like I probably wish I could because there's a salary cap. I'll restructure. I'll get us healthy. I'll get the best team on the field I can this year, and I'll try to win the Super Bowl because I have Josh Allen. Oh, eh. And then 2025, if I can do that in 2024 without putting 2025 in too much of a, of a bad spot, which Joe writes at his piece, the 15-step plan, that the Bills can be you know relatively – Healthy going to 2025. Like, okay, that's the job. Mm-hmm. That's how this all works. When's the last time a true contender was like, well, the cap looks like it's going to be 6-10 and 10 for us. Right. With a star quarterback that they just paid under contract, by the way. I mean, you get into spots where it gets tougher. And one of the reasons it gets tougher is because you're paying your quarterback. But... The most you'll see is a move like the Chiefs did with Tyree Kill. That's the most. And that was one guy they did that with in a specific circumstance where he needed to be paid, and they got a ton back for him. That is there another example like that? New England let Darrell Revis walk right after they won the Super Bowl. Or after they lost the Super Bowl. Is that is that is that what are, what are we talking about? Because like there are teams that have to let guys walk away. And that will happen here with Davis, and it already happened with Edmonds, and it will probably happen once in a while, maybe once a year. But I don't even know what you know what the comparison is for. Hey, this team tore it all well, down during their uh, their their run with their top quarterback, who's still in his athletic prime. By the way, like that's another part of this. You've got Allen for a long time here, but I don't want to just give up a year, I don't know how many more years I have of Josh Allen being able to leap over people. Because the Allen timeline might go on for a long time. The Allen able to run like he's able to run timeline is not as long. And one year, I feel like I'm losing a third of it, maybe. Or at least a fourth of it. Don't want to do that. 803-0550. Bring on the season. Bring on some some restructures. Right? 
Com- they'll get some news of the. We'll get some rumors too, right? Combine season usually yeah, brings com- that about. Combine season, everyone's starts- together and talking, and mm-hmm. get some of that. Eight oh three oh five fifty. We got comeback trivia coming up next segment. Zach and Buffalo first. Zach, hey. Hey guys, happy Valentine's Day. We'll start with that. Uh, so to me, I mean, it's pretty simple that this people picking no on this poll. I mean. I think the second they draft a receiver, I mean, hopefully in the first round, this offense is already better because it shows at least a commitment to improving the offense uh, that they really haven't shown in recent years. I mean, I guess you could argue Kincaid and Cook, uh, I mean, Cook running back, whatever. But, you know, to me, all they've been doing is just running it back the last few years. I mean, I thought there was an argument to get rid of Davis last year before the season started. He didn't exactly have, like, a crazy year prior. Um, but to me, this is like you bring in hopefully a first-round wide receiver, hopefully a second-round wide receiver as well, maybe get one veteran guy, and then the offense is instantly better instead of just keeping Davis and then getting some bargain bin receivers that they think are going to just pop for them in one way or another, another that just don't. And then I guess the other side of the argument is, you know, maybe somebody thinks the defense is in a tough state, to me, I don't know if you guys are with me on this, I just simply don't care. Right. Like, I, <laughs> McDermott has proven that the, he can do whatever he needs to do with the defense to at least get them to a passable level. They don't need to be elite defense. That'd be great. But I just don't care what they do with the defense because I know it'll be more than fine. Like, they've invested so much time into the defense over the last few years. Like, it's time to kind of turn the tide a little bit. You're not going to win games with your defense. You're going to win games with your offense. Let's go all for it yeah. there. And I, I just think it's crazy to think that they're not going to be, I feel like, better next year, in my opinion. But that's they, where I am. Thanks, Zach. We'll see. They'll be younger. You know, they'll be a little bit of a different team. Maybe, like, it's transitioning into a next window. Maybe Diggs gets traded. I still think it's super unlikely. But to, to bring the Chiefs' point home, this is the first time the Chiefs have won the Super Bowl with an amazing defense. Right. Different formula than they had ever had before. They won it in a different way. Right. Their offense was not nearly as good, and their defense was amazing. Yep. But previously they'd won because their offense was just a wagon, Yep. and their defense was not. They won a Super Bowl with the 24th-ranked defense one year. Maybe that was the first and one. shouldn't the Bills, again, like you might not think you they're likely to win a Super Bowl because maybe you don't like McDermott, or maybe you think that Reed and Mahomes in your way and Burrow is too tough, but they're gonna, they should, of course, try. Shouldn't they just operate with like, all right, well, this is going to be a year we're going to have to – we've got a, a nearly fully made offense. So let's just make – Hammer that home. Let's make that the hammer we can. Yep. And Joe Brady's going to cook things up, given a full offseason. He can install his offense. he got a new quarterback's coach. He's bringing in his guys, passing game coordinators. We'll draft a receiver, maybe get some more depth on the offensive line. Then – We'll get all the younger picks for the defense. Sean McDermott's going to get his young defensive tackles and safeties and corners and turn and burn. Hopefully some of those young guys pop. If they don't, we're a team that's going to be built on offense this year. It seems like a, a year to do that and yeah. still build for the future at the same time. Eight oh three oh five fifty. All right, trivia when we get back. Comeback trivia brought to you by Acropolis. Opa. What do you win, Josh, when you get this right? Because I got the trivia question when we get back. You win a $50 gift card. Look at that to Acropolis. All right. That's a nice win. Making me want a Savlaki for lunch today. I mean, love Acropolis. Always a go-to. Okay, comeback trivia. Stay tuned. 
first correct caller calls in with the right answer, you'll win that $50 gift card to Acropolis. So we got Acropolis comeback trivia. The theme is always comeback. Coming up next. All right, time for Acropolis comeback trivia. First correct caller with the answer to 2214WGR wins a $50 gift card to Acropolis. So it's comeback trivia. We'll do comeback player of the year in the NFL again. This comeback player of the year is maybe, uh, you know, some guys win it for DeMar Hamlin. You would think mm-hmm. he won the Pro Football Writers one for mm-hmm. experiencing cardiac arrest and coming back out of the field and playing. Joe Flacco won it. The other one for bringing the Browns to the playoffs off the couch. This guy won it for, Joe, what I would best describe as playing for someone other than Adam Gase. <laughs> a quarterback in the AFC East for many, many years went on to a new team in 2019. In his first season with that team, went 7-3 and as a starter, had career highs in yards per attempt, quarterback rating, net yards per attempt, and won the Comeback Player of the Year and made his only Pro Bowl with his new team in his first season with that new team. Comeback Player of the Year 2019. He came back from... Adam Gase. Adam Gase. <laughs> Working with Adam Gase. Which is, uh, it's worthy. That can be tough. Not many have, have, have come uh, back from that. Have come back from that. Sam Darnold has not come back from that. Did Tua have Adam Gase for a year? I don't no, know. he wouldn't have. He wouldn't have. Uh, but anyways. 803-0550. Do we have our winner? Opa! We're supposed to say that. Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill. Is the correct answer for Acropolis Opa Comeback Trivia, which we do Wednesdays in this spot. $50 gift card to who won it? Who's our winner? Rose. Perfect on on Valentine's Day. Day. Wow, that's incredible. Rose. Had to be. It's destiny. You crafty one. Wow. Rose. It's your day. Pete Rose. Any other uh, Valentine's themed athletes you've you've Derek Rose. Derek Rose. Bob, you mentioned Bobby Valentine, right? There's a couple Valentines that have been uh, that have been thrown our way. Uh, other than that, you've got someone uh, texted in or tweeted in Tyler Medikevich because apparently his nickname on Pro Football Reference is Dirty Red. Oh, all right. Michael Red from the NBA. Jose Valentine from the Mets. Uh. Candy Maldonado. Okay, I like a that baseball one. player. We don't have a pro athlete named Cupid yet. Why 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 hasn't that happened yet? Cupid. There hasn't been a Cupid? No. Last name or first name? I don't think so. There's not many first name uh Oh, uh, jo- jo- Joey Jewel, linebacker for the Broncos someone uh sent in. Um there hasn't been a Cupid? I'm on a list of 250 Words associated with Valentine's Day. I'm going to find some more athletes here. Kern Cupid. He is, Who is that? a soccer player from Trinidad and Tobago. Okay. Played in Kern oh, I Cupid. Think one game okay, for there you go. the Trinidad <laughs> that, and Tobago no, national no. team. We need, we, need, <laughs> we need to do better than that. Come on. We need some more Cupids out there. I'm going down this list like i gotta get an, I got to get more ants. There's a lot of the flowers. Kevin Love, by the way. Kevin Love. Jordan, Jordan Love. Loves, yeah. There we go. Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers Zay is flowers. good. 
There's going to be a bunch of flowers, a bunch of loves, you know. Nicknames are always a possibility, too. I mentioned white chocolate, Jason Williams. That's a good one. I'm striking out. What's the list you're on? 200, yeah. 200 words associated with Valentine's Day? 250 Valentine's Day words and phrases. And like, would you agree that they're all like well, right, they're all associated? Pazel Valentine, passion, <laughs> poem, precious, promise, proposal, ravishing, ring, romance, romance. Yeah, I think they're all romance words. A lot of these are uh, like adjectives. Romeo Cronell. Romeo. Yeah. Scott Romeo Darling. Scott Darling is good. Yeah. Are there other Romeos? Romeo Dubs. Romeo Dubs, yes. Romeo Dubs of the uh, Green Bay Packers. Yeah, Jordan good. Love. Jordan wow. Love. Wow, yeah. Love to Romeo. The yeah. Packers better put something out on social media today. They better. They got to do it. Love to Romeo. Yep. All right, 803-0550. We'll get back on track for whatever we're doing, yelling about the Bills. It is ye- it is yelling season, remember. It's, I got a it, Sabres-themed Let's Get Stupid also oh, okay. at some point. We got instant trivia. Plenty. Yep. Plenty. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. There was nothing wrong with the 49ers' decision to take the ball first in overtime. I've just seen people ripping the Niners for this, like this was the wrong decision. It wasn't. It's a toss-up decision. The case for going first is very straightforward, and I thought Shanahan explained it well, and like he's kind of getting ripped for it. I don't know if people didn't understand it, but I-, I thought he explained it well, saying you want the ball third in the event that the game is tied after the opening possession. If neither team scores, if both teams kick a field goal, if both teams score touchdowns, you get the ball next, and you win the game with a field goal. That's Shio Kapadia with Benjamin Solak. I would just like to say thank you. Right. Let me give you a hypo- let me give you a hypothetical. Let's play the Super Bowl overtime game again. Ready? Here's the game. Mm-hmm. The Niners win the toss and they kick. Okay. The Chiefs go three and out and punt. Yep. The Niners go three and out and punt. Mahomes drives for a field goal. They win the game. What's the conversation? How could you give Mahomes two possessions? The conversation is probably criticism that they that they didn't take the ball first. When I would want to make the criticism, you didn't go for it on fourth down. It's fourth and 13 from your own 11-yard line. If don't you want don't them the ball. get that, they're going to kick a field goal and win. They're already in range. Mm-hmm. Versus what? i got to stop Mahomes from getting three first downs to win the football game? Right. That's another example of going first versus going second. If you go first and you have 4th-11 at your own 13-yard line, you can punt and get a stop. If you are going second and it's 4th-11 and 11 from your own 13-yard line, mm-hmm. uh-oh, now it's sudden death. I mean, granted, it's sudden death if you kick it away. I guess that's the same. But the way it played out has led to a conversation about how it's clear a, mis- a clear mistake. And every time you point out, well, I mean, they wanted the advantage in the third possession. Well, yeah, but what about the second possession? They know about that. Like the the mm-hmm. reasoning was sound. I'm not saying everybody had to agree with it, but just way too much. Well, you you can't you can't go first, when you certainly can. I, there's a good conversation here to be had about like penalty kicks and shootouts, right? For other sports, yeah, yeah, because now the NFL's kind of went from last to first 
in the playoffs. Because regular season, we still have touchdown wins that you don't have an opportunity to get the ball second. Mm-hmm. But they were the worst overtime format in all of sports. And are they now, is this the best one? It's pretty darn good. I mean, hockey's flawless. It's overtime, sudden death. Well, it depends if you like the shootout, though. Oh, for, oh but for the playoffs? playoffs yes, yeah. right, 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 yeah. I think they, I, they've just committed to, we'll play the game forever if we need to. If we if we got to play this game till 3 o'clock in the morning, we are not doing anything gimmicky. This is going to be five-on-five hockey. And they make sure of that, by the way, because there are no penalties called. That's right. So we are going to have five-on-five hockey. It's going to be a war for as long as you two need to go at it. Do you know if you should go first or second in soccer penalty kicks? That one probably shouldn't matter either, right? Well, that's the thing. Preference? A professor at the London School of Economics researched the science of shootouts, soccer shootouts. Yeah. Do you want to go first? Do you want to go second? You will have a chance to match everyone. If you go second, you'll know what your kick means, too. Whereas going first, you know, you're starting that inning or whatever. Right. You're just the guy going second or gal going second will always have the pressure on them. Because if you get into the sudden death portion, right, if you go first, game's not over yet. That's right. If you go second, game's over on your kick. You either are, I'm stepping up to this ball I this must to win it. I must survive or, or I might lose I or lose I might win. Right. So, yeah. doctor, this is Ignacio Palacios Huerta. A professor at the London School of Economics has long researched the science of shootouts. And in soccer penalty kick shootouts, what does this this professor say? It is not 50-50. Going first is 60-40. Really? It is better to go first. The science of shootouts, the mental side of it, you know, as we're talking about this overtime, that's in there as well. That we've we've talked about sometimes with Josh Allen where if a team goes out and gets a touchdown earlier, you're down 10 at halftime, you're going to mm-hmm. play differently. Sometimes you're going to play more aggressively, and that's good. Other times you're going to try and get it all back in one throw. We've had conversations this year where Josh has to be patient. And I just think that there's a mental side about going second. The Chiefs know, hey, we can win the game here. And that's great. Had the Niners scored a touchdown, mm-hmm. and the Chiefs, they've said they would have gone for two. Yep. Would it have been more difficult to get a touchdown? Because the Niners know that's all they've that that's the thing they have to defend. Yeah, a little bit. The Niners can play defense a little bit differently, and the Chiefs would would Mahomes be a little bit? Oh, I've got to get it all. I've got I've got to go to the end zone here. Maybe on you know a second and five, he goes to the end zone like Allen went to the end zone to Shakir, as opposed to taking a shoot. Oh, a field goal is going to be fine. Maybe we'll keep, keep matriculating down the field. Whatever. I think the format is perfect and. I liked what Chilcopedia had to say. There was the the first person nationally that I've seen really just say like it was it was fine. The freak out about what Shanahan did is overdone. I agree with that. So I, so, I so that's that a work show. Since I agree with it, I wanted to play it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just hate that he didn't go for it on fourth and four. I hate that McDermott didn't go for fourth and nine in the Bills game against the Chiefs. Right. Like that question and that criticism has not been levied against Shanahan really anywhere this week. If you're gonna go first, and like you're you're right to point out, if you get into a fourth and thirteen, well, okay, like there's only so much you can do, but fourth and four from the nine yard line, come on, man! Like I, they played 
I guess they, they played it like the Chiefs had been playing, right? They played it like the Chiefs were a team that hadn't had a real touchdown drive in 20 drives. That's how they played it. And is that should that be criticism of you doubted Mahomes could go down the field and score a touchdown? You did not believe he was going to move down the field and score a touchdown because if he did, you would have went for it. How and, many how how many touchdowns had he had to that point in the that's, game? That's what I mean. He had had one, and it was a thirteen. It was a one play, thirteen yard drive. But is that criticism of? Should that be a thought of? Okay, I know I've stopped them all game, but it is still Patrick Mahomes. Does he deserve that benefit of the doubt? Even still, even when the offense isn't moving, that's Patrick Mahomes, and I am not going to give him touchdown to win the football game when it's fourth and four. Right. When it's a reasonable distance for me to go forward. And but if it. you don't get it, now you're giving him field goal to win the football game. And what that's, do you think about that? That's the risk. You're right. But thou, but, I'm, but, you're, he, but what you're doing is you're putting the hands of the game in your offense more than you're putting it in, let me stop Patrick Mahomes again. Yeah, all this kind of sounds like the strategy conversations where you say, like, listen, the plan is to keep it away from Mahomes. You can't. He's going to get the ball. Right, the Bills could have a game plan to run, use clock, and keep the ball away from Mahomes. You can't. He's going to get the ball as many times as you did, and in overtime, that's the new rule. How could you give it to Mahomes? You, you have to. No, no longer exists where you can win a coin toss, score a touchdown, and that guy does not see the ball. He's going to get it, and whether or not he needs three or needs seven, you're going to have to deal with it. You so. can you can earn though the right to have more possessions than him. You can earn that. But you need to go. You need to be willing to go for it on a fourth and four from the nine yard line, or and then go for two, or just say we'll take the ball in overtime, and then you will get more possessions than him if you if you tie. All right, what do we tease going to this? Anything? You had a, you had a let's get stupid. We have instant trivia. We still have to get to. Yep. You want to do the instant trivia? Sure. I think you'll run through it pretty. Uh, well, you might run through it pretty quickly. What's it the- is uh, Sabers Droughtology themed, of course. As the saber sicko that I am with uh, our instant trivia. Instant trivia is brought to you by the Farmer's Dog. Fresh human-grade dog food delivered right to your door. In the last 13 years, since the Sabres have last made the playoffs, who are the top five teams, the five teams in the league that have made it ten times or more? That's it. Simply put. The five NHL teams that have made it to the playoffs ten or more times since the Sabres last made it. Ten, by the way. So the Sabres last made it in 2012? Eleven. Eleven. So April t- of eleven. How many teams have made it ten times? Five. Okay, Boston. Boston, ten. Toronto. No, no? seven. Only seven. Okay. Eight, excuse me, eight for Toronto. All right, Boston. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, number one with eleven. Everybody else is ten. And I believe Pittsburgh had 11 in a row, and they missed the last two years. So this is recent for them. Washington? Washington with 10. And there's only one more? Two more. Two more. Tampa? Tampa, nine. They do not make oh. the cut. I guess they missed... Like, when did they draft... Uh, wasn't it the McKinnon year? They were in the top three? Yeah, they took Jonathan Drouin. Yes. And then yep. they traded him for Sergachev, I believe. Maybe because that's how because Drew in was in Montreal, and then yeah, that's right, right. They had some bad years uh, early though. For and the Sharks are newly down. They were good for a while. The Sharks ten. N- the New York Rangers nope nine. 
There's one more. There's one more. This is pretty good, this team, I think, for... You've got to be bleeping kidding me that this, this team's made the playoffs ten oh. times since the Sabres last made it. Carolina. No. <sighs> not because they have a tie to the Sabres. Just it's not a team I think you would think of this. Carolina's made it seven times. Six times. Poor Jeff Skinner. He had all the years they didn't make it. Yeah. Then he got here, and <laughs> still haven't. I don't know. Like, is it Eastern Conference? Nope. Okay. It's not the Blackhawks. They don't have that many. Nope. Seven. Dallas? Nope. Seven. Look mm-hmm. at all these teams with seven playoff appearances. Most and- teams have like four or more. Yeah. At least. A lot have seven. Is it last night's opponent, the Kings? Nope. But they do play them coming up. They play coming up. Bleh. Minnesota? What, you don't know their schedule off the top? I'm just kidding. No. Minnesota? Minnesota. Ten playoff appearances. That's the one for me. Like, what the, what the, you know what? The, yeah. the Minnesota Wild have made it ten times since we have. Not fair. Yeah. All right. The Sabres. 20 games left? 20. No, more than that, right? No, it's only 20 games left. 20 games left? Yep. 20 games left. Before we get a merciful end to the season. 20 games left, and they are 10 points out of a playoff spot. Should we do the... Uh, so Paul brought up Tage yesterday? He sir? did. He did. Chopping somebody. I mean, I was expecting to hear his name, or at least Darlene's name, when Kevin Adams got asked by Bulldog yesterday, like, do you at least have a li- do you have a list of untouchables? And he pretty much said, no, everything's on the table. That includes Tage. Like... He could have easily said, you know, like Rasmus and Tage, we would we just wouldn't look to move them. You know, like he could have easily said that and decided not to. So I don't know if that has to be interesting in any way, but he has had three years where you're getting a different level of centerman, I think, in each year. Like what was he that first year he broke out? He's like a good number two center because he had the goals. He scored 38 but didn't have any of the assists. Like, to be a number one center, you got to have a bunch of assists. And then last year, he was legit number one center. And this year, is he more like a number three center with, and, this, with this production? And with that, even if you wanted to trade him, what would a team say? You'd say, we could put up 94. And they'd say, right. he's only done that once. Right. So I don't know what his value would be, but... Oh, 30 games left. My math is off. Sorry. 30 games left? <laughs> Thank you, That's, Mike. That seems more right. 30 games left. Yeah. Duh. I can't even say it's before 7 a.m. that I made that mistake. No, it's 920. It just, <laughs> yeah, right. It just feels so deep in the season that I can't believe there are 30 games left. Sorry, 30 games left. All right, let's do the let's do the math here, right? Right now, the wild card spot, the final wild card spot. Oh, we're gonna do this. Like we're going what the Sabres what have they to need do. Need to do. Yep. The final wild card spot is held by Detroit. Okay. They lost last night. Yep. They are on pace for 95 points, 94.6. Let's just say 94. 94? Okay. So the Sabres have to get to 95 points. Okay. So that's 45 more. Yeah. 45 points in 30 in games. In 30 games. It's a 123-point pace. <laughs> it's a 123-point pace, <laughs> and I want to point out to you 
The last year's Bruins were 135. Okay, so they got to be almost as good as last year's Bruins. Yes. Who were like the best regular season hockey team we've yes. ever seen in the, our lives. The previous, okay. the previous year's President's Trophy team was the Florida Panthers with 122 points. So the Sabres have to have a President's Trophy pace in the final 30 games mm-hmm. to get to 95, which is where the number is right now. Good luck. Don't call it a comeback. The only time I can remember a team doing a run like that, do you remember when uh, Andrew Hammond was the the Senators goaltender and they went on a run like that? They were double-digit points out. You know what they needed at the end of the year to to make the playoffs that year? They went 23-4-4. Didn't the Devils have a run like that too? That might be right. And the Sabres had one the year that the Pagulas bought the team. They yeah, were, they were in rough shape, and then became amazing down the stretch and made it. It is kind of right. Like that's the the last time they made it. It was it was like this. Um, they were let's see the, on the day there was a moment I think where Lindy like did a Hall of Fame Buffalo Hall of Fame speech and like banged the podium and like declared like we're gonna make a run here we're gonna make it and at that time I remember thinking or even hearing on the radio like they're so far out like okay all right lindy like you're doing the thing here but they were like at the new year 12 points out of that season they found a way i mean it's february 14th though also i was digging around in the standings yesterday and realizing that the sabers are actually one of these teams that are only not in it because they never go to overtime if you wanted to do your three, three two, one. two one point standings, yeah, you want to know where they'd be? The three two one point system. The three two one point system. It's going to make you want it even more, I think, because the Sabers are sixth in the Eastern Conference this year in regulation wins. Twenty one. That's th- that's four more, or maybe it's three more now than Toronto. They would be one spot out of a playoffs, so they'd be five points out, but three points for a win. We're talking like one week of good hockey, and you could be in a spot if they had the three-two-one point system. Hmm. Yeah, if the three. Okay. They'd have they'd have seventy-one points in the three-two-one. Detroit would be in second for the wild card position with seventy-six. Holy cow! To look at this is wild. That the Sabers have twenty-one regulation wins. Yeah. And the Islanders have 16. Right. How many, and right, how and many, are seven points ahead of the Sabres. How many overtime like losses do they have? Do you have it there for the Islanders, for instance? Yes. Like, 13. 13? 13. I was not prepared for it to be that The high. Islanders have 13 regulation tie points. I mean, it's so dumb. It's so dumb. 13. The list I, I made on this of like the three two one point standings, I didn't even get to the oh no, there are the Islanders. There's, they'd be seventies. They'd be one point behind the Sabres. Yeah. Well, again with with I, eleven more losses in overtime. My point is always gonna be it's not a loser point. Don't call it a loser point. It's a regulation tie point. You have to earn it. The Sabres are a great example of this. You earn that point by playing a team even for sixty minutes. Right. And how many times have the Sabres played a team even for sixty minutes and then lost? Four times. The Islanders have done that 13 times. That is not a phony number for the Islanders. That means they are more deserving. They have played teams better. I think the 3 yeah. 2 point system should, of course, value a regulation win more than an overtime win. 
But the, the bigger thing to me is overtime wins. Who leads the league in overtime wins? The Sabres have two. Is it Toronto? Because I know Toronto find out right now. Because Toronto, I know, has less regulation wins than the Sabres, but are like way above. So. Carolina has five overtime wins. Okay. So the, think about it. Instead of instead of thinking about loser points, you earn loser points. Yeah. Overtime points are where they, you know, flip it to three on three and say somebody's got to take a point out of here. Carolina has five. The Leafs have five. The Red Wings have five. New Jersey has five. The Islanders have five. The Sabres have two. So that's three points there. Yep. You know, you're ten points out of a spot. They don't get to the end of regulation tied. Like, let, let's do the numbers on this. The Sabres have played 52 games. Overtime losses, four. Regulation and overtime, the difference is only six times have they been even after 60 minutes with a team. You go back to the old standings, right, Joe? Do yeah. it that way. Win-loss tie. Win-loss tie, the Sabres would be 21 25 and 6. Mm-hmm. The Islanders would be 16. <laughs> I'm not going to do the math here. Would be 16, mm-hmm. 18, yep. and 18. 16. It's the weirdest record I've ever 16, heard. 16, <laughs> 18, and 18. <laughs> it's so strange. But the point is. Yeah. The Sabres, at the end of 60 minutes, the Sabres have been tied with the team six times. The Islanders have been tied 18 times. It is better to be the 18. Well, this kind of makes me think, Are what are we truly mad at? Are we true, Are we mad at just where they are in the standings, or are we mad at the way that they're playing? Like, I saw I saw Chad DiDominicis with a tweet yesterday about, like, imagine if I told you in October they would have this set of numbers and would be 10 points out of a playoff spot. And the numbers that he listed for that, Lukanen top 10 in goals saved above expected. The Sabres top 10 in 5-on-5 scoring, being in the positive in 5-on-5 goal differential, and for expected goals being even for 5-on-5. If I told you in October, all of that's going to be true. You'd feel good. You'd feel great. Yeah. But because of the standings, it feels horrible. Right. So is it just the standings, or is it a combination of both? I mean, it's got to be it's, some combination. It's of both. all of it. The other way to spin all that stuff about overtime is the Sabers are tied for the second most regulation losses. You, oh yeah, yeah. You, you earn regulation losses. Yeah. An overtime loss is something you have to earn, and the Sabers haven't earned it. So I feel like that's that's a way that I'm always wanting wanting to convince people. Don't think about it as a loser point. You need to earn it, and the Sabers have not earned it. They've been beaten in their own building a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they went to overtime 10 more times than they have, they'd be in a playoff spot. They, you have to and earn, still lost. Right, right. right. You, have to, you have to earn it, and they haven't earned it. 803-0550. My quest constantly to relabel that loser point as the regulation tie point because you got to earn it. Mm-hmm. 803-0550, 188-550, on WGR. Like, I'm a patience, patience, patience guy. You can't ask these fans to be any more patient. Like, that's one of the best hockey markets anywhere in the world. And my buddy said, you can feel it in the building. It's just, it's not there. He Basically, he said, this is not the way you should be experiencing hockey in Buffalo. And so you can't wait any longer. You can't tell these people, be patient. Elliot Friedman, his 32 Thoughts podcast. 
Sabres win last night, seven to nothing in the black and red. You know, I'm gonna tell you a little secret about how the Sabres can go undefeated. The rest, undefeated the rest of the way, yeah. You wanna know? I'll, know I'll bet against them every night. <laughs> Whenever I just decide just, yeah. to throw the Sabres in a yeah, like a five dollar parlay, yeah, uh, they win every game I bet against them. Yeah, to the point where it's like, you know what? I'm going to this game. I'm bet against them, and when I forget to do it, they win. Yeah. Right, they, so, I'm sorry, they lose. So you stop doing that. I'm going to stop going to games because I thought there was a Tuesday night curse that I tweeted about last week where they had lost like 11 of 12 Tuesday night home games. And I tweeted that list out and Eric Wood responded to me, maybe it's you. Because <laughs> I, I put in there, like, I go to all the Tuesday night games. And you didn't go last night. I did night. not go last night. There we go. And they won 7 to nothing. We got a formula here. I'll bet against them in their next game against Florida. I'm do it right now. And then they'll win. When I bet against them, they win. I just saw someone tweet out that the Sabres since oh, since the playoff drought, this season is their highest expected goals for, or is this expected? No, just goals for percentage. Never mind. Five on five. So five on five scoring. It's their it's their best season of the drought. Their power play is the reason they're going to miss the playoffs. It might be the number one reason. Yeah. Five on five scoring is not that. This is telling me it's up. And Lukanen's been so good, it's it is their power play. Has completely sank them. The way we just did all that about the overtime loss stuff. Yeah. Let me get you here. Let's figure let's do some some numbers here. It's nice to actually do the thing where like we used to be able to do this with the Bills, right? Where, hey, guys, if they were only in the NFC, yeah. they would have made the playoffs like twice. Holy the Sabres God. have been so bad, you haven't even been able to do any of this. Of well, if we just did the standings like this instead, or if we put them in this division, then they would have made it. They've been so bad, they haven't even been able to do this. All right, I have a, I have a question. Maybe a dumb one. That's fine. And NHL, is it, is it let's get stupid dumb? Or? At, at NHL.com, I'm looking at power play standings. Okay. What is net power play percentage? Is that It must be power play goals for and shorthanded goals against per game played. That would be my guess. Yeah, the net po- like what's your yes. net power play yep. percentage? The Sabers' net power play percentage is worst in the league at nine point three percent because they must be giving up like shorthanded against. How are they doing? Bad. Shorthanded goals against per game played. They are third. They're, they're worst. So they have <laughs> for a power play. Goals for per game, mm-hmm. they are fourth worst. And in shorthanded goals against per game, they are the worst. So not only is their power play not scoring, but in fact, they're the worst at not getting scored on. Wait, they're the worst at scoring in the power play? They're the fourth worst. At fourth when, worst. When, the, when, the Sabre, when the team gets a power play, yeah, the yeah. Sabres have the fourth worst power play at scoring goals. Okay. And they are the worst power play at not getting scored on shorthanded goals oh, against. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There are three teams tied there. That's so why the, the the penalty kill doesn't matter at all. I'm not even looking at the yeah, penalty. That, that doesn't matter. I'll it's look at the penalty okay. kill if you want. Right now I'm on power play. No, that's fine. Penalty kill we can do. They are I mean I I just look, was looking that up while you went through that stat of because well I thought because I thought net power play percentage might include the penalty kill somehow and like is it all power play situations but maybe not. Because that makes more sense what you went through. And in doing that, 
thinking, okay, well, their penalty kill is better this year, so let's see. How high are they? And I got them at 17th. Yeah. Well, let's get back to net. The net. Yeah, the net. Which is shorthanded goals, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, net penalty kill, they are 7th. Okay. So they score shorthanded? They score shorthanded a little bit more than uh, their counterparts. But they get scored on when they're on the power play, and they don't score. I mean, that's dead last. And yeah. you said 9.3%. Is that like, do we know, is that like significantly below other teams? Because all this makes me feel like this is the thing. Yeah. That yeah, it's I, I guess... so bad that that's why. Yeah. Adam said yesterday, like, offensively, defensively, I don't think he mentioned the power play, but we're kind of in the uh, middle. No, the, the penalty kill is in the middle, and the power play is is, is horrific. Okay. Horrific. I mean, Adam said yesterday, like, we're in the middle at a lot of stuff, and that's a death sentence. Like, you've got to be – like, last year they were third in the league in goals, and that almost had them in the playoffs. And goals. Well, this year they're not really elite at anything, but they are – they're bottom in that. Horrific in, on the power play, yeah. Hmm. Sweet. And Victor Olofsson's in the lineup last night, and that guy can't... I mean, he, if we're not even going to try Victor Olofsson on the power play, I just don't understand I was, why he gets a minute on this team any further. I was thinking that. Think of how often a guy will be dressed in the lineup and getting minutes because he's really important for the penalty kill, Yeah, but that won't happen for the power play. Right. And that, listen, he's been tried on the power play earlier in the season, that's fine if you've arrived at a point of, well, that that thing, which was the one thing he did well, even when he was not doing anything else but score power play goals and score one-timers on this team years ago, that one thing that he's supposed to be good at, if we don't even trust him to try that anymore, that's where we've gotten. Well, he's asked for a trade. I, that was reported I mean, we thought he asked week. for a trade in the summer. He asked for a trade again. He'd like to, he'd like to go somewhere and contribute if he can. Um. Hmm. And one other thing I was going to get They to did win them. 7 nothing yesterday. Yes, they did. <laughs> they 7 did, to nothing. 7 nothing, which brought back memories for me of have, when they beat the Kings 10 to nothing in the uh, 05-06 season, which was have, one of the greatest games of my life. Have the Kings had like a players only meeting or anything? I mean, they fired their coach when they lost to the Sabres a couple weeks ago. They could do it again. They could do it again. Yeah. I was going to get you something there, another stat about uh who knows. Oh, I know what I want to get to. We saw earlier today Adrian Wojnarowski reporting the Warriors attempted to trade for LeBron. Yes. And he said no thanks. Yes. But the framework has been laid, and speculation will run through the offseason maybe, that he declines his player option and goes and plays for the Warriors. Yeah. And I would just like to say LeBron and Steph playing together is something that we deserve as humans. Society deserves totally, that. Totally right. Be amazing. It would be so cool. It A- would be so Adam cool. Adam Silver should step in. We're doing that. Make it happen? Yes. Didn't they once famously get in and like nix a Chris Paul to the Lakers trade? They the, did. Do, do, to do the reverse of that. They did. You two in the room yes, now. Right like now. You're the parent and they're like, you're, you are doing this. We're doing <laughs> it. And every single game is going to be on national television. Yes. Let's go. That, that local, tell your local TV partners that they get a year off because we're putting you on TNT every night. In fact, what we're going to do, the NBA, all right, let's get stupid. This is let's get stupid. Adam Silver announces the first game of the NBA season next year is Warriors v. Lakers. Whoever wins gets the other guy's guy. If the Lakers oh, win, go. Steph goes to the Lakers. Let's go. 
No, I don't even want to do that. I want it on the Warriors. I want it on the Warriors. It's cooler if he's on the Warriors. Yeah, get, get, give me Draymond and Steph and LeBron. Yeah. Let's go. I had no idea how much I wanted this until <laughs> this was reported today to almost have happened. I know. They're, they're, they're old, too. I didn't think you'd be so into it, too, because when LeBron, was it LeBron and Steph last year said that they wanted to play for Team USA in the Olympics and like do a one last, I think you were against that. Like all the old guys getting together for one last run. I'm and a, they, were, they were spearheading it. I'm but a, I guess that's not just about LeBron and Steph. That's about the whole thing. That's about Team USA, yeah. Yeah. I don't want them doing a Team USA. But they want to play they want to play together in some capacity. Well, Steph might. LeBron can become a free agent in the offseason. That's the thing. They might not even need the Lakers for this. He could just opt out and decide I'm gonna go play for Golden State at the end. That though so the story that Woj wrote said the Lakers said we don't want to do this, but he's LeBron. We'll pass it. We're going to pass it by him. We'll kind of let him make the final call here. And LeBron said, I don't want to go right now. Would LeBron be held back at all from this super cool idea because he doesn't feel right about going to play for like a, this a is, team that's already good? This or? is not even that. This is the rival of his career. Right? True. It would be what? Mahomes is retired and Allen has an opportunity to play for the Chiefs at the end of his career. It would be, I don't know, uh, who else? What's some other one here? Manning playing for the or for the Patriots. I don't know. Right, like, right. It wouldn't be playing for a team that's all that good. The Warriors are in 10th. But again, it's last year in the playoffs, what were they, the 10th team and they went to the conference final? They were 6th or 7th. But yeah, one they, of those bottom four teams. Yeah. And they just went deep anyway. Yeah. Like, I don't know, does he not want... To people to see him in that uniform? Like, I don't know. It's the rival of his career. And I could see why, I guess, like, I just, I just don't want to do that. I think people might be tired of super teams now. Maybe. Yeah. So I, don't know. I hope it happens. Yeah. They might have to draft his son to get it done. That's, uh, oh. that's how you do it. Come let's, on, Golden State. Let's go. Go trade up. Go draft it would Bronny be, James. It would be so funny if a team... Like Bronny James is, uh, you know, we got him mocked as a mid-second, like fourth overall. Bronny James, right? We'll take him because you know you're getting LeBron yeah. for the final couple the package, of years. The package deal. I'd do that. But the draft's a crapshoot anyway. Who knows? I get I get this guy for uh, for a couple of years, the greatest of all time to do it. Let, let me give me in on that. Eight oh three oh five fifty. It is Wednesday. Happy Valentine's Day. Extendo Sports coming up. Breaking sports news airs first here. Guaranteed. WGR Sports Radio 550. 2020 Sports. Extendo Sports. Hey, so Morgan Riley got a five-game suspension for hitting that Ottawa player that shot the puck into an empty net in a manner he didn't like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the funniest thing ever. That's a... Uh, you, don't, you don't shoot our net hard. That's a very baseball-y uh, type of thing <coughs> that was happening there, I think. Liam McHugh of uh, the NHL and TNT. We should have him on the show soon, too, Liam. We've had him on before. Yeah. He had a funny, I thought, snarky tweet last night that there's a little little unknown rule. A long-distance bank shot empty netter for a hat trick, not disrespectful to the game. Slap shot into the empty net? Oh, so that's, that's disrespectful. 
I mean, you know what Morgan Riley should have done? He should have leaned into it all the way and said, my dad was a net maker. My dad used to make nets, and guys that would just blast it in there to break nets on purpose, I don't stand for that. Don't don't disrespect the net. Mm-hmm. My family grew up na- making nets. The, the Leafs. The Leafs thing was so embarrassing. So embarrassing for the Leafs. So embarrassing for everybody that defended Morgan Riley for that. Oh, you- I was going to say, I think it's more of a hockey thing than a Morgan Riley thing. There is, no- oh. I don't think there's a team in the league that wouldn't have reacted like that. That might be right because I, I, it's very I, much hockey I, culture. It's that's the thing. It's and, a uh, hockey culture. I, thing I'm less it. worried about the hockey culture of having a problem with it. My issue is not even really having a problem with it. You can be, you can go and go up and fight a guy in hockey. You can do that. I'm right. always blown away at the number of times hockey decides. You know what the right thing to do is smash this guy in the head with a stick. That's the thing too, right? Cross check to the head. Yeah, is what he went for. It, it, and, it, it, he maybe even connected. It that. is a sport where if you just fight a guy, that's allowed. Right. You can't just fight a guy in the NBA. In hockey, you can fight a guy. Although maybe an instigator penalty in the last ten minutes, whatever. Yeah, that can get lifted anyway. Yeah. You just you want to go tell him you're not happy about it. Go over, put a glove in his face. In hockey, it's like you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to cross check this guy in the head. Hilarious. Hey, is what it is. If you're the Leafs, you should, of course, be upset losing to Ottawa again. They should. The, the The backwards thing is, I bet you Leafs fans are happier with their team after that. What What do the What do the Leafs fans probably say about their team the most? What do I see the most? They always get called soft. True. That's what matters to a lot of those fans. And, and Morgan they... Riley, I think, just earned a lot of brownie points for that. And and that's why they signed Ryan it... Reeves, who makes them actively worse. Who is like, right, exactly. And meanwhile, the funniest thing about it is, when you have a guy like Ryan Reeves on your team, it's supposed to be that that stuff would never happen to a team with Ryan Reeves. Right. And, of course, it still no, does. Right, like, in some, again, backwards fashion, there are Leafs fans that believe Morgan Riley just messaged to the league. You can't just embarrass the Leafs like that. Yeah, you, you can't... You can't you, shoot a puck into our empty net hard. Right. When in reality... They're now missing their best defenseman for five games, and they're only four points above a playoff spot right now. So, you might think, at least they might think, this is going to help us long term, identity. But, I don't know, the, the margin for them might be real slim. And missing your best defenseman who plays 25 minutes a night for five games because he decided, I'm going to cross-check a guy in the throat. Yeah. Sick. I hope it works for you. $3 million divided by 82 game checks times five. It costs Morgan Riley $183,000. Skinner got suspended for a similar incident last year, didn't he? Crossed at the guy like in the face after yeah, someone took, right. sh- took like an extra whack at the goalie. That's right. Um, it's just funny. It, yeah. It is funny. It's the, it's the nature of the sport. Again, if you want to go fight him, go fight him. The cross check is what I have trouble with. It's always with the cheap shots. Always with the stick fouls. Right. And apply it to other sports and ask yourself how hilarious it would be. When Josh Allen pointed at that Bengals defensive back <laughs> on the pump fake, the Bengals defensive back, of course, should have been allowed to hit him in the face with a stick and say, we don't take that around here. Well, this is why I usually hate the uh, more than anything in sports is when baseball gets up in arms about little stuff like that, and then they throw a fastball at the guy's head going 96 miles an hour. Yep. All right. That's it for us. Tomorrow we'll maybe check in in Cincinnati. They're going to franchise tag T. Higgins. Not a surprise. That will remove one wide receiver idea of the day. So maybe we'll do him tomorrow just because, you know, 
the clock might be might be ticking on that one. It might increase the odds of Tyler Boyd, though, being available. But as we went through earlier, I just don't yeah. love that as an idea of the day for this. It was a great idea a couple of years ago, but he was under contract. Yep. All right. Well, have a good day out there. Happy Valentine's Day to uh, everybody. Hopefully you have candy hearts to your heart's content. I learned today that candy hearts, the ones that you and I and everybody knows so well, those little candy hearts, Initially, when they were introduced or, or manufactured the very, very first time, they were lozenges. I might prefer that. A lozenge? They're trash. Candy hearts are trash. They're trash. They're like the weird chalky, you know, like, I don't know. That's The texture is weird to me. Not into it. You can give them out with the messages, but at that point, I'd rather just get a, rather get a card yeah. or something, I think. Give me today's the day for the box of assorted chocolates, where you get like the the twenty different flavors. That's what I want. All right, extra point show coming up.